The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe he's not here it's one of our scary times so he's not here this week uh but out now is a film podcast where abe and i discuss new movies weekly however every now and then we actually have these special bonus episodes whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something that we different and this is one of our fun commentary tracks it is our first commentary track of 2022 that's fun to say um and yeah we are we are here on the precipice of a new scream feature and so in honor of that, we are talking, of course, about the first Scream from 1996 from director Wes Craven and writer Kevin Williamson. And joining me to discuss and commentate, is that a word? On Scream, we have from Wise to Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show, he'll settle for PG-13. It's Brandon Peters. A year ago, January, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. This year, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> also joining us from the Milky Way Blues. He goes there. He starts to sound like some Wes Carpenter flick or something. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, that was a year ago that we did Hannibal? Yes, mm-hmm. since we did our Hannibal marathon. See how I managed to turn the reputation of the movie all around in just a year? Now it's a cult classic. That, that's what we call it. And lastly, joining us from Forbes, if they read his box office post, they'd save time because there's a formula to it. A very simple formula. It's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> Don't give away my secret. Uh Sansa Labs, by the way, which is the answer to the question, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> well, there you go. How are the three of you doing this evening? I am doing very well. Good. Good. I, I am, in, uh, in terms of who done it, it could be me. It could be me because I, I have a cell phone. So it could be me. <laughs> I also have a cellular telephone. Ooh, I'm wearing two generic of us. brown shoes or black shoes. So. <laughs> two of us. It's two of us. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't whittle anything down, Aaron. Cell you're, phone. You're, you're, yeah. Cellular phone. Cellular fortunately, phone. My, my pockets are solid, so phones aren't going to be randomly falling out of them at inconvenient mm. time, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, guys, we're going to talk about Scream. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can feel it already. I'm excited to talk about this film. I'm sure you are as well. But what we're doing here for those that are uninitiated is we're going to commentate on the film screen. I said it again. Uh, what we're, we have planned here, we have, the, we have the film screen currently paused about five seconds in. It's where the Dimension logo on the film is forming. So if you plan to watch along with us, feel free to set your 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 film up to that point. And on the sound of go, we're all going to press play and just start talking. And you can follow along and listen to us. Um, if you're just listening to listen, you are good. You can scream away, but don't do it too loudly because you want to be able to hear us and you can continue your workout or whatever you're doing on your your, your device that's allowing you to listen to this, uh, this fabulous uh, amount of uh, discussion that we're about to have. I will also say... We're going to have a great commentary. This is going to be wonderful. This is going to be excellent. People are going to learn a lot. The Wes 
the Wes Craven Kevin Williamson commentary that's also on the film is great too. I All very of Wes Craven's suggest, are great. I, I gotta uh, yeah. say that. Yeah, he's, he's a great. I mean, he he's a lecturer, right? He was a yeah. lecturer. He was a professor, so he knows what he's doing. But that, those are very much worthwhile. And they actually made the movie, so who knows? <laughs> we'll see which one's better. But that's a good commentary. I recommend for sure. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna get started on this. You guys ready? Yes, I assume we'll be allowed to talk about spoilers for the first four movies. Yes, uh, yeah. that's okay. actually that. You know what? That's a good thing to point out. We, uh, we let's say that now. We at this time of this recording, we have not seen the fifth scream yet, uh, but we have seen the other four screams. Sydney did it. And given the nature of the, those films, but just be aware that we will probably talk openly about them. So if you haven't seen them and you for some reason need to preserve the surprise of what happens in those films, just keep that in mind uh, if you plan to listen to this commentary. Okay, we're going to spoil the crap out of Scream Three. Yeah, and uh, probably I know what you did last summer because why? (laughs) 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 All right, here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay, scream. This Um, movie doesn't waste a second getting to the point. It doesn't, and I always forget Mm -hmm. that the title comes up before the whole Drew Barrymore scene. For some reason, it's in my mind that that this scene happens and then the title happens. It's Scream 2 that changes it up. That makes sense. Yeah. Good font, too. I like the Scream font. Then they like Mm -hmm. try to make it all fancy on the posters and stuff. It's like, why? This font's cool, but whatever. Well, it started out. I mean, this film had like a victory lap run in theaters where they rebranded it. Uh, later on and then it got that sharp logo and the floating heads poster and everything like that but um i believe that one was the, the title screen was what it looked like on the original marketing i want to i want to get to what we usually do we just talk about when we first saw this movie but because this sequence is so excellent i feel like we should actually talk about the movie yes. for a while before we get to it mm-hmm. uh, i will say right now because i'll get back to this later i have issues with this movie's direction and its look but it's not during this segment. I think this segment, which is not a controversial thing to say, is one of the best things Wes Craven's ever directed. It's kind of a masterpiece of like a short film, essentially, just this whole opening segment here. Is it is it Wes Craven or is it Wes Craven plus Patrick Lussier? Because Patrick Lussier, Wes Craven was going to be fired from this film and Lussier cut this together and because the Weinsteins did not like the dailies, they cut this together and they change their mind and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised honestly like there's there's certain and it's not like Wes Craven's new with this but like yeah. but again I do have issues with other parts of this film based off just how it looks and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's not surprising to me that there's a new cinematographer for Scream 2 which I think is a very much better looking movie mm-hmm. um, yeah. well but, Scream 2 I think is his best directed movie of all time yeah it's um, a really good well directed film because <laughs> he he tends to I mean and the Scream series are very different from for what Craven does because he is very He's a terrific horror director. He's got great ideas, but his films can tend to get a little bit loose and sort of goofy in spots. And the screen movies are all pretty tight um, and, you know, stick the course or whatever. I don't have any weird, weirdly playing scenes. Which like, may come down to just good collaborators, right? Patrick Lussier has been with them for a few mm-hmm. films at this point. Like, well, he was, the, he was the Weinstein's editor at yeah. this point. Like they, he fixed, he edited everything. He fixed a lot of films. Um, that's where he was in this situation. Even though he was still like Craven's guy for like even a few films before yeah, this, yeah, which yeah, weren't yeah, Weinstein yeah. movies. Like, so yeah. like clearly they had a good thing going. Mm-hmm. And oh, even then, like he sticks, he sticks with his other, like the Mark Irwin, I lose the cinematographer here. Like he sticks with him for a while. And then after Scream 2 and on, he sticks with the other guy that's on that one for a while. Um, uh, Peter Deming. Um, 
but I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the editing is certainly key in all of this as far as maximizing the level of tension, making sure your the geography of the scene is very clear and everything. Right. Like, there's just so much about this that all works. And obviously oh. the presence of Drew Barrymore on one side and the Roger Jackson Ghostface voice on the other side. Right. And the thing is the thing I like uh, the first two movies have, and they kind of, they drop it after scream two is like the, the opening scenes were uh, like remixes of, uh, this is when a stranger calls, and then the next one's he knows you're alone, and then the third one is just something, not you know, and the fourth one is this meta kind of thing that goes on, but not reflective of you know any horror movie from the time. So it's kind of I don't know why they abandoned that, but it was really Different neat. Writers, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I did, Williamson comes back for the fourth one, and then they do some rewrites, but I imagine a lot of it was. Uh, on point with what he was wanting to do because Scream 4 is very much what he was talking about, what he wanted to do with Scream 3 uh, before he left that you know, parted ways with the project because they didn't like where he was going with it. We can talk more about 4 because yeah. like, I because there's things to get into as to why it is the way it is. But but yeah, but the openings, yeah, that's, I don't know. I This, this opening's dynamite. Scott? This scene... You know, I saw the film on, on Saturday morning, opening weekend, and what stuck out about this is, A, it's, you know, in retrospect, it's an encapsulation of, this, of the franchise as a whole. B, it gets on something very, that's usually just subtextual about the slasher franchise, in which you have this asshole on a power trip terrorizing this young, attractive woman just for shits and giggles, and eventually making good on his threat and horribly stabbing her to death. And that is the slasher film in a nutshell, basically. And, and, no, and nobody knew Drew Barrymore was going to bite it. Like she was I, sold. Like, I was pretty sure she wasn't going to make yeah. it as soon as she popped up. I mean, we've yeah. seen a James Bond movie. Right. But I mean, in, in terms of marketing, into, walking into, into this movie, you're not thinking Drew Barrymore is going to be the first thing that had that gets um, murdered horribly in the film. And it's got this know. feeling of, oh, we're just jumping into this. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. And the sequence, you know, the back, especially the back and forth dialogue, it's it's mean. And it's vicious and it's cruel in a way that we really don't get in most conventional slasher films. Because I think to a certain extent, a lot of them, the good, you know, especially the ones that are, you know, the Freddies, the Jasons, they almost keep the violence somewhat at a distance and a remove. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily feel like this could happen to you. Right. Um, and that's part of where you have this, this, this killer ghost face, even before you realize who he is, is just a guy with a, with a, with a knife. Yeah, I mean, he's not some supernatural mass stalker. He's not Freddy Krueger. You know, this is something out of an urban legend made very raw and very real. The the choice of the costume being something you used to see commonly makes him just like, oh, he could be anybody. Because what 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 also I like adding what adding to that is like not not only is it mean because of everything that happens and how unfair it is, but the fact that it is just this guy and he's vulnerable like ghostface slips and falls and crashes into yeah. things yeah. gets beat up a lot so it's like he this is somebody too. this yeah. is yeah he does this is someone you could presumably escape from in the right circumstance but you don't and then he murders you sort like it's it, it's very sad like you, you feel terrible about this whole situation well and um, it's it's also trying to answer and it's also slightly answering the question of like how do these slasher guys appear everywhere and while it's not novel in its dual killers um, for most people, it probably it was like, I mean, it's I didn't expect to when I went in, to be honest. With so you. in this but, scene, there are both of them there, right? They're both. Yes, doing this. Yeah. I believe so. That makes yep. the most sense. Yep. 
Um, One's on the phone and one is running around. Yancy, any thoughts on this whole opening sequence here? Yeah, this was not, uh, this is like you guys are saying, it's it's masterful and it really is unlike anything Wes Craven had done before. Um, That was my thinking sitting down. I mean, I must have seen this the first week it came out and I I remember at the time I was not a big Wes Craven fan. I've since become a bigger fan of those earlier films, but he definitely was rougher around the edges than my hero at the time and still John Carpenter who, shot everything in a sort of two, three, five Panavision sort of Hitchcock influenced style. He was very classy. Whereas as you were saying, Craven always had like a weird comedy scene or somebody's dick getting bitten off, or there was always something, you know, the swamp thing has a weird tone. Um, and all of a sudden here's this really classy uh, two, three, five Panavision classically made suspense a horror film. And also you're saying about the sort of, I'm going to gut you like a fish and all this stuff. I think that's the main point to be made early on about this movie is that I can't, and I'm sure Brandon, you can probably correct me, but in the larger conversation of big popular slasher films, this was the, this was a, 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 a an evolution in terms of how real everything felt, including the characters that, mm-hmm. you know, before this point, slasher films were stocked mostly with characters you didn't mind seeing get killed because you, that was sort of the, the, the idea of the picture was, was the murder scenes. In this, you've got characters that are dimensional and likable, especially, you know, Nev Campbell, who doesn't resemble any kind of a sort of previous screen queen. So I think right away you've got, you know, one or two steps closer to real people and how they might really react. Well, um, we're in the and, middle and of having, a... And having Drew Barrymore, who's someone right. that is, you know, not in this kind of thing. I mean, you know, she's done like Firestar, like, but, you know, she's the one that's generally not seen in this kind of light, right? And especially the way she's presented here, she's, she's just like by herself alone, one yeah. girl wants to have popcorn with her boyfriend. <laughs> right. Well, you're also in the middle of a, a in terms of a writer's screenwriter's renaissance here in Hollywood with your Tarantino's, your Linklater's, your Kevin Smith, Joss Whedon and Williamson here uh, where you have kids that sound like kids. People, um, they don't just talk about what is Fred doing? I don't know. They they talk about Sharon Stone. They talk about movie. They talk, you know, they talk like kids would. they make comparisons like kids would um, rather than just you know, talking about each other because they're around each other and that's all we know. Um, but they're also with the phone voice. It's really mean because it's what two high school kids would think some adult mean killer would be saying to somebody. Absolutely. There's a lot of great shots in all of this, but like, I just really like the, the, the I, way I, they, the way I've they present to me, this reveal of this mask scared the shit out of me. I've it never is. It's, seen it's, before. There's some good there's some good jumps. I like when the when it just flashes by really quick when it comes to the door Um, and all of this. We're still seeing uh, Casey being smart. Mm -hmm. Like there's no dumb move that she's making here. Like she's wisely backing herself out of the house as she can. She's trying to assess the situation despite being terrified out of her mind. Like there's it's not taking too many like shortcuts for a movie like this. Right. yeah, you, you talk about the mask. That was a dumb mask that you saw at stores every year. I'm like, who buys that? And they turned it into a frightening image. Like, when it's, the back, it's turned the back and it turns around. It's a mm-hmm. great thing that reveal. Oh. Here it is. Yeah, and what that. stuck out at me, and I know I'm skipping ahead about 30 seconds, but I don't recall too many slashers of this nature that lingered on the pain yeah. and slow death of its violence. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't die right away. She gets stabbed once and is, you know, slowly bleeds out and is in horrible pain. She's she gets strangled. <laughs> and then she eventually gets stabbed a few more times and then gets struck up on a tree. This is where the urban legend part really comes in as her parents yeah. are getting close, but they, Oh can't yeah. Get her. yeah. And it's, it's, and you know, if you want to, you know, play what if, you know, 
Does she, if her parents don't come home, does she get away? Right. Mm. Brandon, oh. this is some of the home to some of the excised footage, right? The, the... It's it's not right here. It's uh, when her well, mom finds her. It's well, it's that, and it's earlier with Steve with the boyfriend. And Steve, Steve, you get to see this stuff Steve, fall out a little more. Yeah, yeah. It, it, hold, it holds yeah. on him. Yeah, it's, the, it's the mainly the opening scenes. scenes. The tree hanging scene has like every other frame cut out. Yeah, yeah. that's how yeah, they got right. away with that. The initial stab when he's behind her and he stabbed her. I thought that was a little more graphic in the. Yeah. There might be a close up or something like that. Seeing impaling that might. Because if you always, if you can stop it before it hit, like if it hits, and then you stop it right before it hits, like they'll they'll change it. Like they'll be like, oh, that's okay, even though it's implied stuff seems kind of worse in my and mind. And she takes off his mask right in the first scene. That was Craven's idea. Yeah, that's a terrific subversion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what this film, you know, and at its best, what this franchise does well, which is that, you know, it subverts and comments on the tropes while also being an excellent example thereof. Yeah. yeah. Um, Plot wise, the idea is that Stu dated her first, right? Yes. And yep. that's, that's, she that, dumped that's, him for Steve. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's part of the motivation oh, well, for why yeah, they it, chose it, her. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I like the first two so much more than the next two is that the motivations are so simple and relatable and plausible. The first two have a real whodunit. Yeah. It's just entitled prick boys being awful to the women in their lives. End of story. And then revenge. Yeah. And then, you know, (laughs) the third one is, you know, you are a pulpitine. Ha ha ha. Well, the, I mean, the third one though—the first time you see it, because you have the first two, it's st- it has stakes and stuff, and it unravels yeah. as it as it goes. But when you first see it, you don't know you're you're in the moment, and then you get the and you're like, all right, and then it doesn't hold up well after after you know. But um, the first time you see it, it does have some sense of stakes. But yeah, I think the first half is decent. Of what? Scream of, three. Of but three. Parker Posey yeah. makes that movie. Yeah. Great. Watch. Yeah, she's I mean, fantastic. Again, I don't want to. You know, that's Wes Craven wise. I think that they make it work in the end. The third one. Um, but here we well, go, folks. Uh, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Uh, I, you look like Johnny Depp. Let's uh, have you come. Yeah. You're like Johnny Depp. <laughs> so I, I have others for all of these cast members. Um, other Billies included uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, who turned it down. Uh, Matthew Lillard auditioned uh, for Billy. Mm-hmm. David Arquette um, turned down Billy in favor of playing Dewey. And uh, Chuck Child's Play 3 and uh, Serial Mom's Justin Whalen. Justin Whalen, yep. Yeah. He was something at the... I mean, he uh, ended up going he and doing Dungeons, and, Dungeons and Dragons. He was the lead in that. Yeah, with Scary Movie star Marion Lewis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, Jimmy Olsen in the second to fourth season of Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Marlon Wayans? No, Justin Wayans. No, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> now, now Sydney's father becomes a big suspect, and I love one of the things I love about the Who Done It here is because of all the slashes before, where that guy would have been the end up yeah. being the killer. Somebody you see in the beginning, stuff like they keep it around. Like it, it ends up being a core group member, which doesn't. It, it would be. In old slashers, if it was a core group member, it ends up being a really messy explanation. And how do they do it? This one manages to pull it off, or Wrong it would night. have been, or it would have been the father <laughs> or somebody we briefly saw, like you know, uh, your Farley Granger in you know um, the Prowler, um, 
Henry Winkler in this would have been the killer. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Winkler would have been, Winkler would have been the killer. You know, Linda Blair randomly, like, well, what's yeah. Linda Blair there? So why? Which is what Scream 2 kind of does, except the news reporter's like, or she's like in it for like yeah. a, the whole chunk of the movie. So. Yeah. Even, you know, I, I, I watched these with my two older kids recently. And, even, you know, first of all, even Allison pointed out how interesting it was that the killer, you know, got his ass kicked on the regular during the, you know, this, the hunt and kill scenes. Mm-hmm. No, she liked that he was, you know, just a guy getting, you know, getting kicked and punched and tripping and all that stuff. But he it's, even it's inspirational. I could yeah. be a killer too. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like Scott Snyder. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, it's, it's it's we'll get to this in the ending, but she pointed out a very minor plot flaw that has never occurred to me for twenty five years. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, yes. remind me when it comes when it, the big reveal shows up. But two um, two's two is like. Like it has the obvious ideas, like oh, revenge kill, but also like I guess we need some other guys. So like I guess Oliphant. I don't know. Like it's a, it was a, no, it was a rewrite. It was supposed yeah, it was to be, right. It was supposed to be Jerry O'Connell, right? And the and the roommate were the natural born killers like trying to be. Well, and then Cod uh, Weary yeah. randomly on his own would have been because they got filmed revealing themselves as killers and doing all this, and then he's like, well. I can I can fucking kill you now, Sydney. For, Thank you. For a movie that was made in like nine months, I'm glad they workshopped all those ideas out of there and figured it out what to do. <laughs> well, they didn't. No, it, actually, was, it was leaked, and then they had to, yeah. they wanted to change it. I read that script. Yeah, you know, I have it too. I'm glad yeah. they figured all that out. Then. Um, <laughs> like, that was a if happy I recall, accident. at the end of the original script, you know the the three previous killers are defeated. Then Cotton Weary shows up, kills Gale. Yep. And then Sydney and Cotton kill each other. Mm. Mm-hmm. By the way, we're talking over this whole sequence, which is like actually a pretty nice just character scene of two people like in it's a got relationship. A, it's got a nice uh, uh, "Don't Fear the Reaper" cover too going on. A little slow. Interesting hint there. Homage to Halloween. Yeah. What oh is, yeah, that is an interesting hint right there. Yeah, yeah that's good. What is what does Skeet Ulrich say he was watching before he came over? Uh, it was is Basic it Instinct. Or basic Instinct. TV <laughs> version of Basic Instinct. Okay. It cut all the good stuff out. No, it feels like I I think Skeet Ulrich is very good in here, but watching it now feels very obvious that he's. Yeah, which I think, I mean, part of that's by design because everyone in this movie gives like a look or gives a a certain kind of menace to imply because that's on. Yeah, that's 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 the point, right? To give a lot of red herrings, Mm -hmm. but also that, you know. There's been 25 years of movies since this movie came out that like it, it becomes very clear to see like the tropes in, in this kind of new phase of horror mm-hmm. as far as I will say as much as I love Scream 2 and I I do. The one thing that I think Scream 1 does better is that when I saw this for the first time, maybe it's because, you know, it's not a sequel. It's it's its own thing. And I don't know what game it's playing. I don't feel this film does the whole, oh, now you think they're the killer. Oh, now you think they're the killer. Oh, now you think they're the killer, which I think Scream 2 kind of does to a slight detriment, where Fair. it does play more of, you know, trying to guess who the killer is, spend the whole movie trying to guess who it is. And that's and like, know, that's right. the aspect of a sequel like that, yes. right? Where you have to play with the, well, this is what worked, so we need to maximize this. And the, the, right. the It the, works the, the first time. Ones. It works the second time. Scream 3, you're like, okay, do I just wait till you hear to the end and you tell me? That's pretty much what it feels like with Scream and 3. They cheat in Scream 3. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. This is such a classy slasher movie. To keep this same balancing act going for another two-hour movie was really a, a, a Rivera thing to pull off. I remember that opening night of Scream 2 and really just being amazed that it didn't feel in any way, uh, it felt so confident, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Confident and it knew we wanted to see it and it didn't have 
have to fake a reason to exist. You know, I think that, yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying about the first two being sort of untouchable. It's just like, like whatever the mojo he and Williamson had off of this first movie, they just like, we got to do this now. Like the fact that they did it, like we're doing it now and mm-hmm. it worked as well as yeah. it did. I'm curious. Are there, are there other like horror franchises that are able to like, put like, I think Saw 2. Like, I was going to say Saw 2 seems to like ride on yeah. that wave as mm-hmm. well. Like, just regardless of how much I like Saw, so I know you're a bigger fan yeah. than I am. But I, don't, but I mean, I like it more Relatively than most speaking. of the sequels. But it does feel like that feels like a movie that's that's really riding that wave as opposed to being like, I guess we got to make another one of these. Um, well, it wasn't. I mean, how often was it even bef- you know, before? To get a yearly to, sequel? Yeah, to get like yearly sequels before well, you know, Lord I of mean, the Rings and Harry Potter. But I like mean, when it came to Saw, like Saw 1 had been running around for film festivals before like a year or two before it landed in theaters. So it wasn't like, oh, hurry. They kind of had an idea. They There's time to to sit on it. Yeah, it was, so, Saw was a Sundance film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. And if I recall, Scream or Saw Two was an existing script that they just retrofitted. Uh, yes, yeah, it was Darren um, Lloyd Bozeman's thing. Yeah, they they turned it into a thing. Here we are, and Scream, the film that gave Jamie Kennedy a career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so other Randys, <laughs> you could guess. I want you to guess who you think the other Randys were. It's very Daniel obvious. Daniel J. Lewis, Giovanni Ribisi. No. Oh wow! Think yeah. more comedic. Think more comedic in the uh, nineties. In oh, the nineties, Jonathan Silverman. Get- How old was he? Um, if you get um, one, you can get the other. Jamie uh, Kennedy. Who else is around this Jamie Kennedy period? Uh, Scott Green? Seth Green? Seth, Seth Green, Green sorry, and... Yes. Uh, the other and, Buffy guy? Nicholas, whatever his name? No, Brecken Meyer, his Brecken, partner. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yep. And uh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee auditioned. Oh. Okay. Which, um, which, which, I mean, Breck and Myers, I, we were, we're both brought, they, they were both brought in for potentially for mall rats. I mean, they're all around yeah. the same thing. We know what Jason Lee's is like easily. Like, you just, <laughs> I'd argue this is the best. I mean, he's in the movie, like, but I'd argue Jamie, this is the prime Jamie, Jamie Kennedy, right? No, yeah. this is it. This is this why is he, he has a career. Like, yeah. he never, yeah. He's great. He's perfect in this. And the blockbuster scene, too, is great. I mean, I have, he I have did no okay real in tremors, but like, hey. I have I have no real perception of him outside of anything because I just don't care enough. But I mean, these movies, he works. He's really good. You know, it was legitimately really good here, and I had to, I, I had to fight it for a long time. I just there's something about me about him rubbing me the wrong way. But Lilliard is really holy crap. Well, oh, Do you notice yeah. they're wearing the same sweater right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like one's wearing a short sleeve, one's wearing yeah. a sweater. Yeah, but they're no, they're, they're very impact. There's a there's yeah there's a lot there. As far as how their their friendship. Maybe I've noticed that before or not, but right now I was like, wait. I've never caught that before. Yeah, see, I also I agree with you. I'd argue that he and Campbell are probably the best actors in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, I think Lillard, I've seen so much in doing so many different kinds of things. He's he has mm-hmm. a lot of he has a lot of confidence in like the kind the, the range that he can pull off. And I, I do appreciate it. I do think he's very good here. I don't get the the whole people like want him back in another scream. Like what he died. He died. Stop like, it. Dear like, God, stop it. That, <laughs> like, you, obviously. that like sours what good he did. Like, what? Oh, he had a twin, or I would, I'd kill to have him back. Like, why? Like, no, that kill, like, people actually <sighs> die in Scream movies. Hashtag justice for Stu. It's part of the appeal, especially in the last 20 minutes. The way he goes over the top is part of the real appeal. And I think yeah. that's one thing, if you could recapture that sort of the way he seems so insane, you know, when he's stabbing him and he's, you get me too close, man. 
I think there's something Quicksilver about him in this movie that if you could, if he wasn't dead, you sure would want to bring him back. Yeah. yeah. The reason I, the first two are so good, they make bold moves. They up yeah. stakes. The other two don't. They chicken out and they're like, we can't. Well, we'll, yeah. kill, we'll kill Cotton. Like right? you, you, oh, I'm so heartbroken. Connor you feel, you feel bad that Jerry O'Connell dies in the yeah, second one. You like, do. They, they spend a lot of time making that relationship work, and like, and it's 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 heartbreaking. Scream Two is one of the best sequels to add a bunch of new rando characters that make you actually give a shit about them. Like, I think really you do. care more about the ones that die in Scream Two than most of the people that die in Scream One. Yeah. And again, I, I like this. Yeah, because there's a lot of bit, some random. But most of the people that die in this are, you know, the cameraman. Oh no, or the principal. The principal. Oh boy. Well, like Sarah Michelle Gellar's in two scenes in Scream Two, and I yeah. hated seeing her because she has that great classroom scene where they have the sequel discussion, mm-hmm. and then you see her in the sorority, and it's a really well put together scene. Yeah. And you're like, damn. And then you're like, she's only in two scenes, but and and there's also like a, there's a cult there's a cultural element because at that point she's the star of a huge TV show for teens and. Right. And, and he was just in like I still well, you know she just got in the other one of the other best horror chases you've seen in years of a slasher movie and I know what you did last right summer. yeah it's like, oh, so we gotta watch Buffy die again like it's... well and also you know not to get too much into Scream too but that death works because it matters to Sydney yeah you know it furthers her arc it makes her feel mm. more like shit um and obviously most of the people that die in this first film she either doesn't know or doesn't care. We're not saving enough for our Scream Two comes right. Yeah. Well, okay, well, <laughs> when Scream Six comes out, I mean, in this one, we don't we we well, off Drew Barrymore, and then we off like side aside we we yeah. threat, we threaten a lot, and then because there's so much space, they had to go shoot Winkler dying. Yeah. Um, to its to I mean, the credit of Scream Two, I mean, the purpose of that movie's killers was to kill people that were like directly connected in some way. Right? Yes. Like a lot of it was they, their was names. All, it was yeah, their right. names. Yeah. Yeah. Which was still, it was making it personal to the people involved in the first movie as opposed to circling around in this movie. One of the crimes of that movie is that subplot's abandoned as soon as it shows up. Yeah, that's kind of (laughs) random. It's it's one of the lesser things about a very good sequel. Um, Was she, Party of Five was already on the air, so that's where we knew her from at this point, right? Right. Party of Five was... um, and this part, like with the Drew Barrymore off in the beginning, like, are they going to run us through again? Is is maybe Rose McGowan the true lead of this? But like, but it feels like Nev Campbell's per- character here. She's already been so traumatized by what's happened mm-hmm. to her mother yeah. that she's too real to even think of as someone who's going to get stabbed to death. Right. It's it's a nice balancing act, but we like her as much as as a, as a human being in a regular drama, you know. Right, and the film's yes. already showing that it wants to subvert expectations by killing Drew Barrymore in the first scene of the movie. Right. So it's like, do we kill off another person right away here? Like, we know the killer's if a threat. Then that's what happens. But but going through a chase and knife scene right away, that's not what you do. And like with her, like you would not see that in a slasher movie before this. Because she, yeah, she would die. She would, you know, the final girl is to get chased mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, other stews, Freddie Prince Jr. He auditioned. Okay. Hmm. Other uh, Sydney's. You got the other one. Other Sydney's. We got a lot of them. Uh, Molly Ringwald was offered. Right. Tori Spelling, uh, Melissa Joan Hart, Brittany Murphy, Alicia Witt, Melanie Linsky, and Melinda Clark. Alicia Witt made do on another one. Yeah. She was an urban legend, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Reese Witherspoon turned it down. Uh, Claire Danes uh, and AJ Langer. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Also, so called life. Yeah, just right. I can't imagine any part 
other than her, she's 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 pretty perfect for these, you know. Uh, other Tatum's, by the way, uh, Rebecca Gayhart was also <laughs> Urban Legend. Yeah. Oh, and Scream Two. Yeah, yeah she's too. In- yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Melinda Clark turned it down probably because she auditioned for Cindy and didn't want to take the second, you know, the the other character. Uh, and then I'm not sure, but it says Chloe Sevigny auditioned for a part, so I assume it was probably the Tatum part. That makes sense to me. Uh, um, but hmm. might have been yeah. Sydney. Might have been, but it seems like Chloe Sevigny seems like probably auditioned for like the Tatum role at that point for her. Maybe it's coming off of what kids. Yeah, coming off uh, yeah, the Steve Buscemi uh, movie he directed, Trees Lounge. Trees, yeah, Trees Lounge. Sydney does have a lot of fun on the phone, as far as she's proving how smart mm-hmm. she is as a character. Some of this feels like Halloween too. I wonder if they're very much so. Talk- oh, yeah. oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I did this. Oh, yeah. This in particular it does feel like a Halloween. A lot of it feels like Halloween in a way that I don't think any other slasher movie really does. To its, it's great credit, and Halloween, there's there's a lot of Hitchcock in here too. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of uh, oh, like yeah. I believe I believe they shot this like around the same place where a Shadow of a Doubt was shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean in a skewed way, this is almost among other things, Wes Craven doing a John Carpenter picture, right? Um, totally. And I wouldn't thought of I wouldn't have thought him capable not to be a jerk at the time as a kid. I wouldn't have thought him capable. Wes Craven's a very so inconsistent director. Yeah. He hits a home run <laughs> every every once you know, in a while. But when I go back and watch his stuff, I see that it's, it's at least consistently interesting psychologically. There's always something you can see what, what he's such a bright guy. He was such a bright guy. You can see what drew him in. But there is that instinct earlier on to sort of make trashy stuff that had interesting an interesting core. And here he's just suddenly, you know, a, like a widescreen master all of a sudden. I wonder when that choice was because it's it's not the first time he's done two. Like I don't know, <laughs> it's just like whatever whatever discussions he was having with you know all of his people for this film, he just seems like he just yeah had a because mm-hmm. it's like I like I would tell you guys before this, I was watching Vampire in Brooklyn, um, it which is right before this movie. This looks entirely different than that, and it's the same editor. It's it's still Lucier, it's still uh, Mark Irwin cinematography. New Nightmare felt. Like old Craven, some of those scenes of Wes Craven yeah. talking really slowly. It felt like, okay, he's a weird director, and he's going to be. We should talk about New Nightmare a little bit, but first, let's establish the um, the film did a great job of getting the geography of Sydney's house down. Yeah, um, early on, like based like the door and how that works, where her where the you know placement of everything in her house is, just by having her yeah. having some good long shots that are you know pretty subtle as far as her just moving through the house while talking on the phone to Tatum or to to Ghostface. Um, it, it it it's not the movie's not dumb as far as how to make sure the audience is well aware of the vulnerability present, but also how she can kind of fend for herself. Uh, Billy showing up here <laughs> right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the phone, like, how does the phone fall out of your pocket? Like, <laughs> next to next to your shoe. It's a Balti move. I so directly suspect him for twenty minutes, and then have it be him anyway in the end. Intending like himself, said, I wasn't intending himself to get caught well before it was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take that Magneto. <laughs> what, what was Brandon? Should have or, killed him when he had the chance. Prior to this, what's what had been the slasher movies that had been released? What was the, the I mean, was this like Halloween six or Child's what? Play? This movies. was Halloween six was around this time. Uh Hellraiser hell. Blood uh, Hellraiser not a slasher, but this yeah, yeah. revived 
horror. Like I, people can, they shit on the, uh, era that came after this and all that stuff, but this totally revamped it. Like mm-hmm. there was, yeah, there are, there are, we've talked about this in other, our horror episodes, which yeah. people can go back and check out, but yeah. it, like, there are certainly like movies within the early nineties that you can highlight, but yes, it was compared to the, the roaring eighties. <laughs> like this was not the, the highlight period of horror. Mm-hmm. This gave horror back to the kids. It did. Um, but it's not like the adults were like the adult horrors were coming out. That was the yeah. more quality ones, but they weren't cranking those out like horror normally does. Those would be like um, a couple times a year before, or something. Before we get too far past that, I just want to point out that the scene where she opens the door and Dewey standing there with the mask. One thing when I first saw that, that actually did scare me because it's a good jump. But also it's fucking hilarious that he's yeah, standing yeah. with the mask like that. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's it's. Especially in retrospect, I'm always shocked how late he shows up into this movie. I was going to say that's the first thing we. This is the first time we see Dewey. Mm-hmm. Also, right? Yeah. We're at the 30 minute mark. Yeah. Um, I was remarking to my wife that the, the fact that the this movie the this movie's atmosphere can can sustain Dewey for the whole running time. If this is Friday the 13th, Dewey would be killed in the first 10 minutes because he's annoying or funny or whatever. But that this movie can keep him alive as a sort of buoyantly, sort of bubbly, funny character throughout really speaks to how, um, you know sort of energetic and exciting this movie is as opposed to depressing and and mm-hmm. you know it's it's not the first time that i think he successfully weaves comedy into this into his movies but i do think mm-hmm. it's i mean it's an endearing character for a reason um <laughs> like he, david arquette really works here and and just given the style and tone of this film it does serve its purpose more so than you know bumbling cops in Last House on the Left <laughs> right. or whatever yeah. the other. <laughs> that was both like that's sort of the touchstone of what the hell was he thinking? He's sweet, he's blonde, and the fact that he sort of starts to fall for for her makes him interesting. But it's just it's yeah. just a yeah. And so um, Dewey was written to be like a a, t- a much like a tough, strong guy, right? That was the idea, and David and David Arquette chose the role. And it's not that he's not you know his own form of handsome, but it's certainly not like a stocky, you know, buff cop, right? He's David Arquette mm-hmm. looking like he, he has a baby face, just like the rest of the cast does, which is why he gets made fun of, right? He's a, he's a kind of a junior officer. But now in Scream 5, he's hard. Scream kinda, he's, gr- he's grizzled and old. Yeah. It's kind of shocking how much st- he sort of grows in stature by the time Scream 2 rolls around. And I don't know whether it's the scale of the picture or how the broken arrow score is used. To <laughs> it's it's definitely part of the part. Partly yeah. is definitely the broken arrow score. Yeah, yeah. But, beautifully. Dewey operates in this weird zone where he's the, he's yeah. you know he's the movie's darkest joke since he gets like murdered yeah. every movie. Yeah. Uh, but, but he's but he's also like has the most authority of anyone at any given yeah. time. Like, so it's it's um, you know David Arquette. For what he's he, pretty, you know, for what he does, he's good in this movie. He's yeah. a good character. Care about the characters. Yeah, and that's the risk when you're going to kill them off. You know, once in a while, mm-hmm. uh, usually you just make them make them awful. <laughs> um, we even talked about Courtney Cox, and she hasn't really had too much to do as. Oh, yet, this was her first scene too. And, uh, and well, she was she was at the school. She comes up in oh, her, 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 her key lime pie suit that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but other uh, Gales, we had Brooke Shields and Janine Garofalo and Elizabeth Berkeley, who. Showgirls did her no favors as far as that. all of whom would have been against typecasting, and which, which was, was the same, which, which was, was Courtney Cox. Yeah, exactly. Why, so why she pursued the role? She I yeah. feel like Elizabeth Berkeley might have looked like she should have been in high school with them. Not, <laughs> I mean, even at that time, she would. 
too young. I don't know. Oh. Well, the reputation from the previous movie was the thing that held her back from this. Right. Like, that, that, that knocked her out of this, the negotiations for a movie like this. And Courtney oh. Cox has gotten so good on Friends with the, with the comic timing that adding her in, her in gives the movie an earnest, like a, it's almost like a screwball. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is, you know, of a bygone era because now star power barely matters. But there was value in putting TV stars in your movies like this. People knew them. They liked them. But they didn't command movie star salaries. Do you right. think that's a bygone era? Though? I mean, I don't think that's, especially in horror movies, that's still a thing that always uh, happens. And I still think for it's, horror movies. Yeah. Now, I mean, Grant, I mean we're, ta- we're talking about Scream, which is until Halloween 18, yeah. the most successful slasher movie of all time. So, I mean, yeah. but at the same time. For other horror movies that are moderate successes, I think part of that's attributed to the fact that you do have like you know this Teen Wolf star popped into this movie or whatever. Well, this was yeah. this was different. Like, so I didn't see Scream right away. I was just like, Psh, that is not for me because I was a horror guy, and this was all of a sudden all these pop people from teen shows and magazines being in this horror movie. They're like, oh, Drew Barrymore's in it and all that stuff, and I was like, Drew Barrymore, W. Earl Brown, no, thank right. you. Well, no, I, <laughs> it, it was kind of a turnoff for me who had been like pledging my allegiance to horror. I was, I was fourteen when this movie came you, out. You were so worshiping at the door of Jason, almost Goes fifteen. Hell. Yeah, I was like, what? And and so I, I didn't see it for like the longest time, despite like all the you know all the people haven't seen it. And then I saw it. I was rightfully proven wrong, but seeing all these because. When you say you saw it eventually, do you mean in theaters or like in theaters? No, out? I saw it in you theaters. Saw it, so you saw it in theaters. I, w- I went with my mother. I saw it with my mom and my because my mom's like my mom wanted to see it. So there you go. That's <laughs> my mom who like didn't like that I watched horror movies. I was like, you want to go see that scream? I was like, I'll go with you. Yeah, sure. And then I was like, wow, I was proven wrong. Uh, but I saw it like a few weeks after it had come out or so. But. It was it was weird because it looked like oh all the cool kids are making a horror movie now whoa like you know I was an outcast so it it's kind of just no I get that but it it didn't look like my cup of tea at the time and then it it boomed a new slasher run of movies and I was picking shit for and that a, time in a year later we get to scream two where every cool kid of that era was in it in some capacity yeah it was basically like being on you know guesting on the old Batman show yeah. <laughs> I um I didn't see this movie till till VHS. Um, frankly, I was I was young. I mean, it was, it was something that I was like just going to be able to go and see. Um, I wasn't not seeing certain things at the time, but it just wasn't a thing that I was going to go like see in a theater. Um, but I eventually got the VHS copy. My mom had already seen it like a couple of times, and so we watched it. And then Scream Two came out. Didn't see that in theaters either. <laughs> got waited, waited, waited to I saw Scream to, Two twice opening weekend. Waited to VHS for that <laughs> one also, but Scream Three came around, and guess what? It's after my bar mitzvah at that point, guys. So I'm a man now. So then I could go and see Scream Three in a theater. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and that oh. and that was that's actually fun. My mom and I went to the theater, and I was there like be, like she was doing something. So she's like, "Go get the tickets." I went to go get the tickets. They wouldn't let me get the tickets because I was too young. It's like my mom was right there. And then when we got into the th- when we got into the theater. They still had people checking the aisles to make sure everyone they had a ticket for the movie. They're really intent on making sure that people that are only quali- that could be there could be there. Guys, Lance like Henriksen's think, in this. I'd like to think when the killer called, he said to her mother, "Hi, I'm the killer. Can I talk to Sydney?" <laughs> oh yeah, hold on a second. I'll go get her. Actually, I'm wondering what was that phone call like? Is I love like this Rod moment that, when he picks up the phone. <laughs> That's great. 
I wonder what, like, do you think he turned off the voice changer or is just, that's something you asked them on? This right? was, stop using this. They didn't use this Nick Cave song in the fourth one, I thought. Mm. Or they didn't use it in the third one or something. They didn't use it in the, they, <laughs> is it in the third one in the, um, it's in the, um, in the the t- the credits right the closing credits for the third one I think they like bring it back Maybe, to, but then for it's that, for that and then I was like fourth one they don't have it at all how to use that I remember when, Schreiber. when, when I first when I first saw this only leave Schreiber moment in this entire film well, and that's it <laughs> I thought when I first saw it, is that Gavin Rosdale from Bush <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like it, it. looks like it was, yeah and I was like wait what and then I was like no it wasn't um, and you know watching I guess the first three because spoiler he dies very early in the third one it's amazing how much of a presence Cotton Weary slash Leave Schreiber has in these films considering he's barely in them yeah well, I mean in he's, the, he's great the in the second one he's not well, in Scream 2 in the one, second one he's he doing dies the... in Scream 3 and then he's just you know yeah he's like five or three or four scenes in Scream 2 in the second one he's in this he's in his like 90s Leave Schreiber mode where he like yeah. that in Phantoms where he does like he just has this like unique character like presence yet he has some Diane you know, he has, Sawyer he has, but he has like leading man type looks so he kind oh, of yeah. stands out because he's like he's acting weird but he you know he's a good looking guy right he's so the best he, Harvey Dent we never got <laughs> he really no he really he is, is. Yeah. easily yeah he, he easily would have been already done but wow. he has a like he just like the way he has this little laugh that he like he just has a quality to him that makes him that's why he's, he's fun to watch in mm-hmm. a lot of movies and when he hyped french I've, dispatch I've, he was delightful in yeah that. he was great french dispatch you might still get make sure he's still alive isn't he yeah, you know, he's, he's, he does all the like 30, 30 for 30 narrations. And stuff. Yeah, I've hired two actors. He's on, he's in the, the Ray Donovan movie that's opening up on Showtime at some point. I just want to oh. ask him how you don't make a relationship with Naomi Watts work. That's my whatever you got to do, man. Make it work. Make it how work. do you not make that work? It'll look good on you, man. That, that may not have worked, but you know what? The the sequence, the scene, the sequence in the ten, which has him, it has, has him the and Naomi Watts. In what? Movie forty-two has a with them. The infamous movie 42? 43. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 43. Yeah. 43. That has the scene where they're 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 homeschooling their kid, and that that's right with like, him and Watts. I'm just thinking of I was thinking of him in, in the ten. But yeah, him and Watts. That's like yeah. one of the only okay scenes in that movie. <laughs> a few good scenes, a few good bits in that, but that's one of them, yeah. So I believe the cameraman, wasn't he the um, mortician in, uh, or the guy working at the morgue um, in New Nightmare? W.O. Brown? Uh, yes, morgue attendant. Yeah, morgue attendant, yeah. yeah. So he's been in both and the, he's in, the Meta he's West in, movies. He was in Vampire in Brooklyn as well. He, mm. was, he was a West guy at that point oh. the scene the scenes between campbell and cox are really intense <laughs> i mean it's obviously she hates her but i mean they they really they really play that up mm-hmm. and then they become allies so it's like it all works out <laughs> um I realize now that I used to get him confused with Billy Bob Thornton when Billy Bob Thornton was just the guy that was getting like slapped in Tombstone. I think yeah. I thought he was the guy. <laughs> I can see that because <laughs> he, he was a little more Thornton was a little more portly in his earlier mm-hmm. days. Also, yeah, at the time I probably thought oh, that's that guy from Tombstone, the guy who wrote One False Move. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know you were still here. That's a great line in Tombstone <laughs> when he's trying to go after him. 
what's Lillard doing in this scene? Just watch him in the background. He's just like messing around the whole time. <laughs> he's totally peas and carrots, peas and carrots again. <laughs> what a horrible thing to do for a student. Buy the mask and like run through the hallway. <laughs> it's the uh, Jamie's an orphan scene from Halloween 4 of Scream. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. <laughs> and there is a certain, you know, when I, I and again, I was 16, yada, yada, yada. But it did strike me as interesting as this was one of the first slasher films that I had seen where you, the kids were pretty damn cynical about all the bloodshed going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's part of the joke, you know. Yeah, of course. But I mean, Henry Winkler will stand for it. Yeah, I mean, of course, people take it damn seriously. But uh, Scream is comedy, too. Like, yeah. I mean, it is a it is a comedy. It's a satire. Even that's beyond comedy, though. That's just like kids being assholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they, like people are like, oh, there's a, but it's like, dude, that's youth, man. You have no idea. You have no sense of mortality. You have no, you know, tack. Like there's going to be an asshole that does that. <laughs> I like the um, idea of if, if every time, if, if every time Sydney ran into Billy, like a phone would drop out of his pocket, I think would be a good mm. insert shot. <laughs> Uh, this scene in particular uh, is like shot for shot done in Scary Movie with Anna Ferris and mm-hmm. and it's Jim, so boring Jim, Jim because it's in the service of a gag that's completely not worth it. It isn't, but there is a bit where like when Nev Campbell's gonna like run away and then she turns back and is like, "I'm sorry, I'm not part of your perfect life." And Anna Ferris is like the same exact thing. It's yep. pretty funny. Ah. <laughs> uh. Is that another movie that would age very well, even though I didn't like it when I was first saw it in theaters? Oh uh, no, I imagine it probably aged pretty horribly given the content and of some of the jokes. Uh, in the- <laughs> enough. So I shouldn't watch it with my children yet. No, I don't think so. Although yeah. I would say, uh, Ivory, I would say Keenan Ivory Wayne's direction is better than some people might give him credit for, but I don't think the movie's yeah. still not that great. <laughs> is that a head, oh, of, gotta- head of the class read poster behind? <laughs> Scary movie got a boot. Post raunch boost from uh, something about Mary. Yeah, oh, no, it's REM. It's REM. Sorry, sorry. Uh, and American Pie for that. I was going to say yeah, American Pie. Like I mean, that old comedy point right there. Yeah. And at the same time, you also you know you had the Wayans uh, doing it. That was giving it you know a, a boost. In, or <laughs> these are obscenely movies about you know white characters. You know, even though the scary movies are starring Anna Faris and <laughs> people, but. Well-known African-American icon, Anna Ferris. Yeah. No, yeah, um, I mean, but I mean, it, it, you know, you have the, oh, yeah, I know, Hall, the Regina Hall, Regina, um, Regina Hall. I remember I enjoyed Scary Movie 3 just because it was nice seeing the Zucker brothers, one of the Zucker yeah. brothers at least, making something that wasn't terrible. But yeah. I do remember appreciating 2 because it felt less like a carbon copy of other movies. Uh, what? <laughs> what movie did you watch? It was the haunting. It's okay, the haunting. Enough. I haven't it's seen it. The Exorcist. It's it's it, it's it was worse. That, <laughs> that dribbling basketball commercial. Yeah. I, I, I did like Chris it. Elliott in it. Chris it, Elliott yeah. and uh, David Cross were hilarious. In that it movie. leaned oh, yeah. further yeah. into things that were popular at the time. Than it the really did. One. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So okay. Before we get into some other tangent, what happens in this Chloe scene? audition what? for cheerleader. yeah that one what happens in this scene exactly is the so ghostface is just in the bathroom already waiting for her apparently yeah. like that was the plan maybe and he's what, gonna kill know, some girl that day at school? To, and was he supposed what, to was the plan to be like if he was successful does this movie end <laughs> like, well there's a her. couple spots where it's like 
right? You know, during the oh, first no, we're gonna, no, we're gonna get to the sequence. Scott. Don't worry, I we're gonna get to the other. We're gonna watch the whole movie. We're gonna watch the whole pops up randomly, but yeah, I just I do not understand how this scene works. I've never understood it. It's a great trailer shot, which is what I think is entirely for, and and this sequence here, as far as the girls making fun of Sydney in this situation and digging into the screenplay, but. What is the logic of the sequence? Like these, just the ghost face just waiting there for hours, hoping that Sydney would arrive at some point. It's the uh, I, I, how would he know she's in there? Logically, <laughs> makes no sense. But also, <laughs> there's a potential that Sydney is indeed a suspect, and a lot of this shits in her head, and she projects the killer and and sees stuff, and she, she believes the attack is happening because it's outside. It, it's the mental craziness aspect of being a suspect rather that's than... the that's the best i can explain it to to myself that's my head cannon my, my my thought is like I, she could just be imagining this happening like that's the best i can do mm-hmm. even though the movie doesn't really support that well <laughs> like, there, there's the attack at home that you could say what, what, is like there's well, a i mean if it, if it ended up all of it being imaginary sure you could go back yeah. and say all that but... there's a movie that sloppily does that called high tension or hot oh, yeah. tension oh, yeah. i know um, <laughs> but that's where i'm i'm trying to put that where this might be pushed in there there's a lot of old whodunits that sometimes you go back and you're like oh they were they were really trying to make uh, so-and-so a suspect here like there was a Candyman. yeah to a certain Uh, extent so it because it does make me want because i do because i mentioned i'm not huge on directorial choices in this movie and a lot of it's because of these like random like fisheye lens angles or weird moves with the camera or just framing stuff and it makes me think was there a version of this that did really try to incorporate that? They just kind of edged out all that stuff to make, you know, the movie that they had. Like, yeah, but it, when that I first would ju- saw this, that would justify it to me. Like if the, this scene right here, like it's like, she's running away. It's like, is that woman going to see in the bathroom? Like, <laughs> like if that actually happened, you know, if it was real, then she would feasibly tell. I mean, she's a smart person. We know this already. We've got the movie to tell us this already. She could tell somebody, the killer's in the bathroom. Go in there and get the killer. There he is. I think the implication is that either it was the killer or it was just a bunch of kids that were pulling pranks. Could have been also. Yeah. Although we do see, I mean, it could be a fake knife as well, too. Yeah. Like that, that's another way I justify it also. That it's just yeah, more, not, more kids yeah, doing. Yeah. But that's a hall. that's a long yeah. con of a prank. I just wait mm-hmm. here for hours for Cindy to come in just so I can surprise her in the bathroom. I will say 25 years, I never once questioned that scene until now. It doesn't bother I mean, one bit. It's a horror it movie. Like, in fact, it doesn't bother yeah. me, but it's just it's Air just Force vulnerable. It's, it's an after the fact comparison. It's an after the fact question I have when I think about it. It's like, why did that scene happen? Aaron maybe, likes maybe, his movies <laughs> to be realistic. Only because only because it happens again. This stalking stuff that happens where he's like in the woods randomly or in the shopping mart, and it's like, what? Like, <laughs> it's what because you? when you're writing, you're working on the, you need points to hit and not get away from action. That's probably the boring. A doyleist explanation for it is something needed to happen there. They wrote it in. They had the school to shoot, and they're like, "Well, we need some filler action stuff. We've been patient too long." I it's, get that. You know, you know what movie doesn't do that? Scream Two, which is longer than this right. movie. <laughs> it doesn't have like the filler scenes, but it's still almost two hours. Well, Scream, like Scream two hours One gets to die, make right? the missteps. It's the first one, so it, yeah, yeah, it makes the. When I say like, I, and I, I think you're the same. It's when I say like, I like Scream Two more. It's like splitting hairs. Like it's not like it's oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a giant leap. I mean, I think it's a really well made movie, but I you know I love watching this movie as much as I like watching Scream Two. <laughs> These two are fun together. Like it's not it's no mm-hmm. surprise that like they continue to partner them up. Let alone the fact that they have <laughs> they really got married. 
<laughs> I just want to ask, and then just, divorced by screen. <laughs> I just want to ask David Arquette how you don't make it work with Courtney Cox. <laughs> Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. Somehow, somehow Freddie Prince Jr. made it work with Sarah Michelle Geller over wrestling, but the but uh, Arquette and Cox, the wrestling was a no a no lane oh, for them. And the they joke do I Star Wars together. Yeah, <laughs> that's the joke I used to make with uh, irrigation. To, you know, Ethan Hawke. It's like, dude, Uma Thurman's the person you cheat with, not on. <laughs> that's what I like oh. to ask him: how you don't make it work with Uma Thurman. <laughs> I like that Matthew Lillard is like three times the size of Rose Mc gallon so you can just pick yeah. her up in a scene mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a cool guy i mean like what was that uh show he was it the the bridge was that mm-hmm. the bridge yeah he was yes. excellent the, he was excellent yeah he's great that on show. that show i mean every adult thing that i've seen him do he's been good in yeah like, oh yeah. the the descendants yeah, yeah that was the descendant yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's not like his teen stuff is bad either just, no. just he happened to do like five movies of freddie prince jr that aren't good so i mean that's that's what it is what it is but still and he, did, he did a lot of like wild man like yeah, he fell into a type yeah but and like, well, like slc punk was well. his like art house thing that worked for a lot of people too mm-hmm. yeah lillard he's great in, in the twin peaks the third season lillard he's completely oh yeah yeah forgot he was in that yeah totally transformed from a slightly annoying douchey young guy to a you know paranoid middle-aged guy he's great and honestly, he's he's and he's great in, as Shaggy. Like he he, yeah, he does the work as Shaggy. Like yeah. it's not those movies are necessarily great, but like there's reason. Like he nailed the voice to the point where he got to do the voice, except in the movie for some reason because we needed <laughs> Bill Hader or whatever they got for the voice for the character. And that's why Scooby Doo made a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. talking about the first one, yes. Who else was up for principal? No, 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 no. The the animated movie. That's Scoob. Oh, Sorry, yeah, Scoob. Yeah. That's why Scoob Apologies. was a roaring success. There he is. You met the live Raven. action one that opened with fifty two million dollars in June of twenty two thousand two. Yeah, no, not not James Gunn's written Scooby Doo movies. Yeah. The animated films. Who who else was up for principal? Is there any? Because it feels like we a flashy cast. Like it could have been some random other direction for. I'm half surprised. You know, uh, uh, Craven didn't cast himself. He did, Fred. <laughs> yeah, he, just, uh, he just watched. Him. Well, I mean, in this role, right? Uh, who was up for for uh, the principal? Uh, the, uh, the, one of the Jeffersons, Archie Bunker, um, <laughs> uh, Rod Howard. Honestly, uh, they, they had all the all the classics. Mork, Robin Williams. <laughs> Throwing him in there. I believe. And later, uh, Le- um, Lenny and Swiggy both auditioned. Scott Bayo. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Right. Now, the purpose of this one is it solely so they can eventually like get the kids out of the party later? Like, like this will draw a crowd. No, it's it's a joke. Like, kill the principal. Like, uh, I th- yeah, I think it's know, a murder like, just kids- for the hell of it. I mean, I get, I get that to a point, but also when like because they do, sh- as they say, they string them up on the football field. I feel like. It's Plan, the, planning wise. I do think that would be a thing that could draw the. I think they do think ahead as far as that would draw people ahead, away to some degree. For kids in school, that's the highest point of authority. It's gone. Now the kids are not like he's coming to the party or anything, but now they have no head of school. They have nobody to clamp down the rules. It's it's a stakes raiser. It's I, I don't know. It's cutting out authority where they had it before. Fair enough. I will say we, but we hadn't mentioned it yet. But um, off air, we were holding. Um, there's a the uncut version of this movie, uh, but I also I discovered commentaries from Scream, 
because uh, back in the day, they ran the uncut version on pay-per-view and they also ran the commentary version on pay-per-view. So when I taped it, I didn't know what I was taping and it had commentary. I'm like, what is this? They're talking. And it was the most fascinating thing listening mm-hmm. to Kevin Williamson and um, Wes Craven talk about. I'm like, wow, I've never heard this. This is cool because I didn't have laser discs, so I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, but they actually pay-per-view would run a movie with a commentary. Okay, so I, I that's cool. <laughs> when he when he I, I just can't avoid when Ghostface just pops up in the woods, like I guess he just he left the school still wearing the costume for some reason, right. so he's just randomly lurking around now. I but the, I why think would it's you wear just the a Halloween homage for the sake of a Halloween homage? Presumably, right. like people would. It see looks like the, Bigfoot. In the woods. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah. Yeah, but presumably people would see like if he's just not wearing the costume, he's like, "Oh, there's Billy." Who cares? Like, I mean, like there's no reason for this to happen. It's just weird. This is the second time we've seen Randy. The whole, yep, yeah, we haven't got a lot of like. I mean, you know, the party's like a like third of this movie, so like we're gonna get a lot of probably Randy. But yeah, it is very economical with these characters, which helps as far as you know uh, keeping the suspense going as far as who's doing this, right? Because you're not leaning too far on anybody. Mm-hmm. Like the person you're leaning the farthest on is the one that you're trying to not suspect now because it's Billy and Stu for that matter. Stu's like stealthily in most of this movie. This is one of the best scenes yeah. of the movie, right? This whole right. conversation <laughs> that they're having. And it plays so differently after you've seen it once. You're yeah. going to go back and you're like, oh, this is the creepiest scene in the movie. It really is. It's <laughs> like Stu's fully aware of the, the truth. <laughs> it was the fun scene. And now it's like, ooh. Yeah. It's also fun to watch the extras who are very yeah. much paying attention to them because <laughs> they are just talking loud about this stuff. <laughs> she just she shakes her head and walks away. Yeah. yeah. Randy was a character for me when I watched it. I was like, oh, look, it's like myself in a movie. And then I'm like, am I that annoying? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it was so gosh darn courageous to kill him off in the second one. Yeah. It's the best yeah. move the series made. And yeah. it, it's it's still it stinks. It's supposed to sting. Yes. It subverts and expectations. It, as much as I don't like Scream 3, I adore that they didn't bring him back. Right. They resisted the urge. And yeah, I he's mean, in a video, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> Randy's sister. <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, they they kill him. It's sting. it's the it's the favorite fan favorite character. Yeah, he's the, you kill him. It resets everything. Now anybody can die. Then you do that yeah. Dewey scene. You believe that Dewey dies in Scream 2. You're like, they fuck, they're kill him. Him. <laughs> It ramps up the intensity. That's why that movie's so good. And then they got <laughs> s- such blowback. blowback that now it's like Scream 4 is I my point where I was like, okay, with that movie is when they don't kill Gil Weathers in that barn scene. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, so everybody's making it. Like um, it's this. Sorry, just watching this again. Watching Lillard, it's like because it's both of the killers just like circling him right now. Right. And watching him reacting to Stu to, to Billy talking to him. That's uh, that. There's good stuff here. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's very thought out stuff as far as the choices being made. But yes, I agree. I mean, yeah, see, I know you're a bigger fan of Scream Four than than we are, but I. I, I don't disagree as far as the, the lack of courage it seems to have and do, pulling anything out of it. It almost does have it, though. That's the thing. It's on pace. Scream 4 paces up like, oh, this is going to be, and then it hits a point. It I will give that. it. It's Some of its third act stuff is ahead of its time that we all yeah, were like, 
Simplistically speaking, I think Scream 3 is a halfway decent movie with a god-awful climax that sinks the whole thing, while Scream 4 has an okay opening and a terrific closing, but the middle is just deader than di- duller than dishwater. I was okay wow. with that middle part, though. I was going, like I said, my turning point is Gail Weathers not biting in. Not that I want Gail Weathers to die. I well, want stakes. I want it ramped yeah. up. I want to care. I want to know. Yeah, but you have the, the Scream fandom is a fucking weird one where they're like, I don't want to kill the characters, but I want to see them get uh, attacked and killed or not killed. Well, but it's it's the franchise is in a weird place because it's one of the few horror franchises where the heroes are the marquee characters. Yeah. And, you know, you you do have a a fan base. I don't know how you know small but vocal or whatever that thinks of Sydney as their cinematic role model in terms of, you know, overcoming trauma, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I don't begrudge them that, but it also puts the movies in a very challenging position. Right. They act like they have Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Halloween, but they're actually wanting Scooby-Doo. They want the... What? Yeah. Last time I remark on this, why is he in the grocery store? Like, he was hungry. What's going on? Walking around costume through the town that knows it's looking what it's looking for. I don't understand the these choices. I love doing this ice cream. It's really funny. Um, it feels like that was some. You know, he's like, I'm gonna, he's gonna smoke, and I'm gonna have ice cream. I think that's one of the things they talk about in the commentary is. They do talk about the ice yeah. cream. They like don't that's talk his, about that's those. his cigarette. Is yeah. like he takes a drag by licking his. <laughs> no, yeah, I because I, I was doing I was yeah. I was doing the 4K that just came out. It's, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that is exactly what right. the reason is. They don't talk about Ghostface randomly popping up. <laughs> do they talk about you know whether it was an intentional piece of social satire? The idea that you have two horrible murders that are done while the victims are at home, so they do a home. No one can leave their house curfew. That is pretty funny. Um, they don't quite delve into that. Mm. And then it's like, oh, let's show the sheriff having shoes. Two cases of the sheriff. Okay. <laughs> the sheriff wearing what I assume are standard order shoes. It's like, why should we respect them? Well, we saw the shoes, but everyone wears the shoes, but we didn't see everybody's shoes. Yeah, see, I I know we, there was a lot of talk of, of, of Scream Four and it, what it's not doing. Anything you want to say in that regard? You know, I only saw Scream Four once and I liked it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I, you know, the first two of these are great, and the, and the third and fourth I think have uh, uh, redeeming qualities. So I think overall it's a really strong series uh, as far as slasher series go. I agree, there's redeeming qualities. I just I'm not fans of those movies, but certainly, yeah, there's good stuff in them. I mean, there's good character, which comes down to the characters, right? They do some mm-hmm. clever things with some of the new people. I mean, obviously, the stalwarts are what they are, but well, all of them have strong production values too. There's no, yeah, like, they're well made. Well, the cheap ones, yeah, that's you know, these the, 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 the three and four cost forty million dollars. Um, Wes Craven, you know, directed the suspense scenes that that make them worthwhile. I think. Um, he pulls them out of the hat for both three and four, I think, enough to make them, you know. Patrick Dempsey coming back for five? I hope so. <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Make a McDreamy. Is he McDreamy? Is that the one? He's not When McSteamy. you survived Scream franchises, but you didn't survive Grey's Anatomy. Right. <laughs> Raphael, tra- they could bring Raphael back. <laughs> I, I, I assume in the trailer what it's like, I'm Sidney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. You hear Patrick in the movie, practically runs up behind her. He's like, Connie, who's on the phone? 
<laughs> well, she's pushing a baby carriage, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. So he's coming up. Yeah. Like, you want me to take the carriage, honey? Who's on the Who's on the phone? Oh, it's, it's it's the killer. <laughs> Tell Mojo Jojo to knock it off. <laughs> I so bad. Obviously, it can't happen, and I know it'll never happen. But I want so badly for Roger Jackson to slip into his Mojo Jojo voice at some point during a scream film. <laughs> Uh, coming up is, I think, my favorite thing that Dewey's and uh, David Arquette's ever done in a movie. When um, they ask, "What's Gail doing here?" and then Dewey looks with this huge grin in his face, saying, "She's with me." It's the best look <laughs> that he's yeah. ever did. He's like so excited, <laughs> and I lose track of the ages here because he he talks about how he used to be younger watching her on TV, but mm-hmm. it's like they want to be like, dating, he's and they're twenty five, I think, yeah, or twenty six. Because I know there's a comment about how her show tracks like best among mm-hmm. 18 to 24 year olds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. He was. Oh, he, so he's one year off of it. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I'm this. And he's like, I was this for that for, for a whole, whole year. year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So now we're at Stu's house party. We're an hour into the movie. This is the rest of the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so long. Uh, I actually wrote the stat down here. The uh, the opening scene, for example, took five days to shoot. This scene took twenty one days to shoot. It occupies forty two minutes of the film, and the crew had shirts that said, uh, "I I survived scene one hundred eighteen." They everybody <laughs> worked on this whole sequence since it took so long to shoot just this whole party scene. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's with me. They use that in his roll call at the end of the credits too. They do, yeah. yeah. That's like it stands. It's a legend scene. <laughs> I like how it's Stu's house party, so he wears this like fancy robe. <laughs> that's his. That's his deal. Also, everyone in this town is like rich and has country homes. Yeah, it is it like the nineties. Every the economy was going great, and it's what Woodsboro, which is what like Santa Rosa, so it's like Northern California somewhere. That's the idea. Yeah, Clinton had just been reelected. Good times were rolling. Everything was going to be okay. <laughs> Also, who would be excited about like a cop coming to the party? Like that's <laughs> it's Dewey. Nobody takes. Yeah, yeah, no one takes exactly. I'm just, I'm not seriously, we take. Bill and Stu are probably like they sent Dewey this way. Awesome. So does Billy kills her? Right, this Tatum. Uh, I it must be so. right because Stu's uh, Stu's doing the party. Right, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, being yeah. The, He's being the master. Come here, I'm back. Yeah. And also, that'd be. That'd be especially cruel if Stu was the one killing his own girlfriend in the well, sequence. Well, I mean, he killed Drew Barrymore because he <laughs> dumped him. Yeah. This is a good tense scene um, as far as how this plays out. Right? For one thing, there's a lot of like fake scares with like a cat. Like, and I think it's a, it has to be a joke, right? Having like a cat appear. Like, oh, yeah. This movie's smart yeah, yeah. enough to know that it's making fun of that idea. It has to establish that door, too. Mm-hmm. And I would also argue her line about, you know, don't kill me. I want to be in the sequel. It's the most self-aware line in the picture. Well, even like how she's dressed in this, uh, like how she's talked to Sydney earlier or how Sydney's talked about things earlier, as far as what the killer does and how these movies work. And that you have Rose McGowan looking the way she does in the scene and acting the way she'd like. It's very, well. they have her holding the cold beer and then her Mm -hmm. nipples are popping through her shirt. Uh, It's very intentional. So the killer locked the door from the outside, then unlocked it, came back in, and removed the door. removed the garage door sensors so yeah, it yeah. wouldn't. A little camera move where he sort of 
He's my really garage fast. door. I have that, to close that like eight times before it actually goes down. So this would is, never it, work on me. It, as much, I, what I like here is that it's a, it's really balancing the humor and the horror well because yeah. you know that this is the killer. You, but she's not into it, and she's trying to, and like it's still humorous to think of this way. Also, the killer—he's never shot better than he is in this scene. Like the way that the robe looks in this sequence, you can really see the detail, the of glistening it. of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting how it 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 all. It's like, and even the angles, like it almost looks like an Italian horror movie right now. Yeah, like it seems very deli- Like we're seeing like very deliberate choices as far as how this whole sequence works. So after watching like 45 minutes of the movie where I'm like, I'm not into some of these choices. This is I really enjoy. So you like it when blondes are chased by the killer. <laughs> like when the West Craven's directorial no, I like it when blondes are murdered by the killer. Yes. <laughs> and once again, the killers get just crushed by these. Oh, yeah. oh he's got a <laughs> That costume's going to smell. You're going to like smell him coming in the room. He's I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't like, he's not more suspicious of Billy later on. Cause he has like cuts all over his body. Probably while they're having sex for the first time. <laughs> you smell like deep. Dude, did you like drink a keg before you yeah, came like, over? What's going on with this guy? <laughs> and this is, I believe, um, has the record for most realistic scene in a movie of all time, right? Is that how this yep, works? Is it? Yes. Works? <laughs> Watching this as a child, I'm like, that's creative. That's literally my, I don't think I've, I, at that point in time, I don't think I'd seen a more creative uh, murder in a horror movie before. <laughs> Maybe the garbage truck in Child's Way 3. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> head getting smashed via doggy door and garage. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hold up, but I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> it's also a sad death, right? I mean, she's like oh, co-lead she's of this movie. Like. Well, and she was part yeah. of a funnier, I, we liked her energy, we liked her jokes. Like, And if we didn't think it was Billy before, him shooting out the door right here. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the Billy thing is interesting because it's so on the nose. It's like, it's him. It's him. It's and then that you're like, no, you, they, they totally make you second guess him. Yeah. And then they I, successfully make you forget about him. Like, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, they, there it is. There's well, where they, they wanted him. us to then, think it was him. And then, then they mur- then they murder him. Right. So you're right. like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, what's but going that works. It's all time. You've seen this movie a million times, but you haven't because. I hadn't seen two killers before. I'm sure Brandon can name the one where there was, but like, like they tell you, you've seen this movie, you know what happens in the slasher movie. Oh, the whole time they're breaking the rules in, in a fair way, you know? Yeah. And the big thing is, at least when I first saw it, I never occurred to me that Billy was a killer because I was expecting something far more convoluted. Yeah. Ironically, like we got in scream three. Yeah. Where it was, you know, your mother was a Hollywood starlet, blah, 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 blah. Well, here it's just, He's an, you know, he's the boyfriend who's an asshole misogynist. He likes killing people. And this well, is great. That there was this. And he's a little pissed that, you know. Tristan. Yeah, there was the affair that broke up his parents' yeah, it's, marriage. It's the divorce and, generation. And Which Stu is, is psychotic. And yeah. Then they again, killed once and so enjoyed relatable it. relatable and plausible and. It's a very yeah. thoughtfully written slasher movie. I mean, that's it was something that was very, you know. And I think that's one reason why this film resonated to the generation that were teenagers when it came out. Three is the because, only one of one killer, right? Yes. Yes. It wasn't. The, isn't there like a fan theory that there is a second killer and they just didn't get him? Well, it was supposed to be Emily Mortimer was the yeah. other one in early stages, but that got dropped. Um. And then you know, Scream Four, the killers also come with a pair of stilts <laughs> and shoulder pads. <laughs> obviously, 
Because three foot nine Emma Roberts probably didn't throw <laughs> Allison Bree out of a window or out of the, and four the parking foot, garage. Four foot one Calkin didn't yeah. do much either. <laughs> um, just before Don has two killers, but I mean, it's yeah, not. Yeah, just before Don's two killers. There's one other. It's not really like a sign. It's not a whodunit. It's just like, but hey, there's two right. of them. Yeah. You're right. It, you know, I don't think I, as a. I personally person, hadn't uh, seen Just Before Don. Yeah. yeah. I had seen when most of the coming? mainstream slashers, but it's not like I was an expert. So this was certainly the first one that I could recall where you had two killers. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to prove something wrong. It's just I'm just trying to think. No, of like, no, what are no. movies? I, what are I, movies? No, I don't think you are. No, I'm just trying to think of what movies yeah. do have like multiple. I guess the Chainsaw movies by default. Like <laughs> no surprise. Well, it's sort of a surprise there, but but this is really the twist, and it works. Yeah. Well, it's certainly um, messy because it's a good way to mess with you as far as like how like. Because yeah, just one sitting, person do all this. You're sitting there the whole time thinking, like, what? The, what is this gonna? What's the yeah, end game in all this? <laughs> Watching the movie, Lillard and 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 Skeet both seem kind of off kilter, but we know they can't both be the killers. But if you knew it was two of them, you might pick them both. You know? Yeah. That's why I do think it. You know, the sequels have challenges to have to match at that point because they've established a certain status quo of how these things work. And again, it is a miracle that Scream Two is as good as it is. But I do think it's telling that the killers are the least interesting thing about three and four as far as like what it is that's going on there. Especially three. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I am the author of all your pain. It is weird when Scott Foley is petting that cat while giving his monologue. (laughs) Scream three, why there's one is like, oh, because there was three original, you know, like, I guess. Yeah, but. Well, I guys, just, thanks for the kill. I'm going to go back to Hollywood now. Continue yeah. my successful life. <laughs> yeah, it's the credit credit to Scott Foley. I remember like MTV interviewing him, among other cast members, and he's like, "Yeah, no one knows who the killer is. I, they didn't even give me a whole script." And straight straight face. <laughs> I was like, dead in a scene. Yeah, <laughs> Which, I you died. Know what? Could have been. <laughs> Could have just shot scenes like that. Uh, I remember, you know, you know, friend of the show, Randy Schaefer, and I had basically convinced ourselves that Dewey was going to be the big mastermind at the end of three. <laughs> and, you know, it's dumb now. And, you know, whatever. I don't care. You know, the fact that I was wrong didn't impact my enjoyment of the movie. It's just the choices they did make were bad. Um, among them, having Scott Foley do a big part of his evil monologue while wearing the mask so he looks like a freaking Power Ranger. Um. I guess it's possible that none of these people have seen Halloween before. Yeah, that that that's <laughs> it, it. Even then, it's sort of slightly and again, not a deal breaker or anything. It's like you know, someone like Jamie Kennedy's character, who's this hardcore horror geek, isn't showing them a, a something a little bit less mainstream. Yeah, there's probably a deleted scene of him freaking out because they all said we haven't seen Halloween before. <laughs> there's that. That's possible. Yeah, they're gonna watch Wayne Wang smoke next. It's on top of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, draw on pieces. It's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's what Stu picked up at the store. <laughs> like, oh, smoke's out. Here's your pitch me. Here's your pitch. Oh, I love Kaitel. I, I, I was watching the piano the other day. <laughs> Stu. Oh, they have up okay. smoke up there. I, on the- I got one for you guys. Shopping mall. Yeah. No, it's not remotely what you think it is. They have Cheech and Chong's up in smoke under whatever the red. Oh, that is true. Um, it when when Randy's saying these rules, has 
I, surely like we've thought of these tropes before, but is, is anyone like made, ever made like a list of rules before like this? I don't think outside of Mad Magazine, maybe if that, or you know, just talking in your circles. But this is where uh-huh. it took it. I remember step. when the, when I saw the first Austin Powers, which I still love. I was sort of shocked that nobody had made a movie, at least a mainstream movie, making fun of those specific tropes, because you know we all knew them. Well, the Flint wow. movies were, but they were taken, the they were taken yeah. as serious by Austin yeah. Powers. Yeah. So they, I mean, the, uh, yeah, it's the. Yeah. Time passes where they forget that the Flint movies were comedic takes on the James yeah. Bond thing yeah. to where Austin Powers thinks, oh, my gosh, there's a serious um, competitor to James Bond. It's ridiculous. Look how bad yeah. it is. Like, no, they were supposed to be comedies. I mean, Spy Hard gets pretty close. Yeah. For what, it, for what it's worth. right. I mean, like, um, it's, it's combining things. Ironically, not Mission Impossible because that's wrongfully accused. <laughs> the next Leslie Nielsen movie. Well, if I recall, the they open on the same day. They'll be a ninety. Th- this th- scream wrongfully. Uh, uh, spy I Hard. remember. I remember Mission this scene being like, "Oh, here. this can't be good. This can't no, be good." Spy Hard and Mission Impossible, I think, open on the same day. They, yeah, it's, they're both ninety-six. I, yeah, it, it was impossible for it to <laughs> it, to do that. But it is. Uh-huh. It just. It's always funny to me that there's a Mission Impossible spoof in, in wrongfully accused. <laughs> Yeah. And not spy. There's a great usual uh, suspects bit in wrongfully accused. Mm-hmm. And of God, course, there's a bit in scary movie. Yeah, there. I saw all of those Which... bits before I saw usual suspects. So I, but I didn't necessarily. I didn't know that that was what it was doing because I hadn't seen it before. So why would I know that? Because so I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't like it didn't ruin the fact that it was Kevin Spacey. But I was still like, oh, right. that's what this is from. <laughs> 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 this cup fall down. <laughs> Um, it's one of those great moments I had. It's like just like an epiphany, like oh my god! And yeah, you know, you know our stupid fan theory about Randy being, or Dewey being the mastermind, and then six months later, scary movie comes out and he's the mastermind. And it's Doofy. Yeah, yeah. He's the you got the Arkham Asylum game plot before. Yes, to, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you thought it was, but the difference is I just talked about it amongst my peers in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Who's calling to tell him that the who's calling Stu's house to tell Randy? Why is Randy answering the phone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, adult speaking. Oh, oh, because <laughs> Stu is upstairs getting ready to stab. Yeah, he's, up. Putting, he's putting on his costume and getting the fake blood ready. So like, I guess Randy's in charge. I got the fake knife, right? Okay, okay. Oh, and there's this, this still, good this delay. Still, this, this delay is a good thing that they established. Yep. That's a good bit of tension that they get there because yep. it, it's it's nice that they bring it on you know early on and they get this going. He's in all the chips. He had the he, W. R. Brown was doing some good Cheeto work earlier. Now yeah. he's got the Cheetos. How's he having those without anything to dip in? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, plain chips are tasty if it's if they're they are. Chip. They are. If they're yellow corn, they're usually pretty Man, tasty. Listeners, let us know. Tostitos with or without dip. Uh, put us uh, put it on the Facebook. The multi grains are better and less filling. Yeah. The Tostitos is the brand of chip I would get to just eat the plain chip. But Brandon, were you saying that this could be a yeah, this potentially was, suspicious scene? Yeah, when when they the right when they start to take off, and he's like, "Let's go down here." I'm like, "Oh no, that doesn't seem good." But you know. Dewey is who Dewey is, but when you first watch the movie, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. I guess you could still be suspecting. I never really thought about that. And that was good. This is actually I didn't think about oh, this. Yeah. The the ominous car is coming in behind them. Mm-hmm. That's all. 
the work's done in this thing to like set up these scenarios. Yeah. I mean, it's legit. I mean, everything is legit uh, red herrings, whodunit stuff, but it's done um, earnestly. Like, it's all natural and it's your own thing putting on it. Yes, there's some stupid boot shots and things like that, but with all the characters who would actually be suspects, it plays earnestly. What, when, I, when they tackle down that hill, I assume like 14 cell phones fell out of each of their pockets just yeah. there. <laughs> right. I mean, this movie is, it tells you who it is the whole way through, like everybody, and you just don't pick up on it. It's the brilliance of it because Billy is the kill. I mean, you're, boom, 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 yeah. there he is. Stu's it's, really it's definitely an Occam, ra- it's an Occam razor or whatever you pronounce that word, Occam razor situation. Occam, Occam whatever. I'm tired. Occ- Occam um, Asylum. Um, and and especially in retrospect, this feels like the last, at least in terms of mainstream, the last pre-cell phone movie. Because yeah, by screen right. two a year later, everybody's got cell phones and right. they're the plot. Yep. And they're like, all right, yeah, it's a year later. And they're yep. all like, they're all like, all right, that was silly, right? And Sydney has caller ID on her home phone. Yeah. And she doesn't have to type into 911. Remember when yeah, we had to yeah. type into 911? That is, I mean, again, I'm not trying to give scary movie too much credit, but when Anna Farrah Ferris just types in a white woman in trouble and like it cuts yep. to a shot of cop cars careening down the street at them, it's really funny. Oh, that's good. Make sure you wear your white shirt tonight, Billy. The white one. The ghost face costume was originally going to be white, and then they uh, wisely changed that because they didn't want to have clan association going on with the oh, uh, God. killer. <laughs> yeah. Also, newsflash: Black is scarier than white. Right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, that would look real cool. <laughs> I imagine they're like. I imagine the, the thought was like, "It's a ghost, right?" So, and Wes is like, "Guys, <laughs> let's, let's think about this for a second. Father <laughs> <laughs> death. Is it what the mask costume is called? You know, it's funny. I, I have a, a friend whose uh, parents published one of uh, Wes Craven's books, um, and they they know of Wes Craven horror movies, or whatever. But they had many meetings with him and. Uh, after the book got published, my friends like saw the book. I was like, "Oh, you met Wes Craven? Yeah, it was like like the guy who directed Nightmare on Elm Street." Screw. They're like, they're like, oh, that was. They figured it was just the name coincidence. It was some sort of like <laughs> ornithology book or something like that. But they thought it was just a name because like he presented himself really well. He was real, you know, different. You know, well spoken. You never thought he'd been a guy who directed this stuff, but as as we all know, horror directors. They're usually just dripping with blood. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> They're walking into rooms. But I mean, Wes has a different way about it. It's been a thing about him in his career is like how astute he presents himself. I mean, yeah, same yeah. as Sam Raimi. Like, he, you know, wears yeah. a suit on set. Like, right. <laughs> well, he was a professor, Craven, right? Craven was a professor, yes. And then he stopped professing for porn. And then, hey, he made horror movies. Fascinating guy. And when Music of the Heart was that after Scream 2? Music of the Hearts 90, yeah, it's after stream two. He got Meryl a uh, nomination. Yeah. And yep. an insane, and I believe the NSYNC Gloria Stefan song was nominated as well. Mm-hmm. Two Oscar nominations for a Wes Craven movie. <laughs> which I've never seen. Um, I assume it's good. It's <laughs> fine. They get like three and a half stars it's from Ebert. Fine. Pairs well with my soul to take. <laughs> <laughs> Except the Meryl Streep one's scarier. 
I hate the idea that I'm going to have to watch my soul to take at one point again and be like, you yeah. know what? God damn it. This movie actually has some ideas. <laughs> it does. It does it have is, some it ideas. Does, yeah. It's just bad. Yeah, it does have, I mean, but like, yeah, it's just. It's, it's execution is the. It's abysmal. It's, it's like I'm saying yeah. his loose kind of. Good thing that boat was there. Everybody had boats in the 90s. That's like half the <laughs> plot of Lethal Weapon. We're going to the lake this weekend, <laughs> Stu. I like you're looking. I like the idea that he he would still be there. Like, huh? <laughs> they gonna have a conversation? That sucks. You see her right there. That's fun too because it's Stu, so he knows the geography of the house. So like when he runs to the other way and some mm-hmm. shocks her on the other side. This is great. This yep. whole scene right here, and the camera knows it too because it's playing all around with it a lot. Mm-hmm. Good framing. His shoes match the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Randy watching a pan and scan Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the more shocking thing, the fact that they haven't seen Halloween, that he would choose this version to watch on TV. Well, he had to get it from the video store. He got it pre-rental. wasn't easy to get a he, de- he would be the kind of guy that then. demand that they Our get a widescreen version. Me, Randy. <laughs> I've got the criterion. I still have that thing. Well, it's Stu's house. Yeah, Stu <laughs> didn't have a laser disc. Stu has a pan and skin. No, he, he imported that copy of Smoke, so they ran but out of money. But he does have month. volleyball in the backyard. It's a huge... I mean, everybody has huge houses. <laughs> I dropped my Tostitos. Like, this is great here, because, like, we, we know what's going Just the way the delay is going to work, and, like, W.O. Brown's yelling. Kenny's yelling at it. Like, you got to run, kid. <laughs> And then, nope, immediately dead. <laughs> Which for him is a more happenstance, right? He's just happens yeah. to be there. So he just like, happens. To, yeah. That's, yeah. It's... Killer really lingers on this one. <laughs> you see him like wiping the blood off the blade and everything. That's the that's the trademark of ghost faces. He wipes the blood off the blade. Yeah. Every single ghost face knows to do that. Yeah, they don't because they, they don't want the people they murder to get diseases. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's going on there. Ghostface really couldn't figure out how to run around the van. That was that's that was a clever move on his part. <laughs> yeah, but he's stubborn. I get it. He's like, I'm gonna get through this door. Damn it! This is uh, the same theme that Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams run away from Michael Myers too in Halloween H O. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they borrowed uh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> From Marco <laughs> Beltrami. Scream 2 borrows from Broken Arrow. Well, obviously. Halloween H2O borrows from Scream. I because I, I had seen Broken Arrow so many times. So it's like this theme is in Scream 2. Like it's such a, like, an odd choice, but at the same time, it like fit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. In the same way where like, I don't know, like Hans Zimmer taking the Badlands theme for true romance. Like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. That works. He just kind of he alters it a little, so it's his own. And, and yeah, that, for that, yeah, he, he, it was a real vanilla eye situation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, wasn't like Scream Three, the movie, uh, the stab movie they're making is like called like Back to Woodsboro, Return to Woodsboro, Woodsboro yes. and that's yeah. what Scream Four does, and Scream Five looks to have done. Well, with that, you know, I do think perhaps one of my issues with Scream Four and how it doesn't feel like a movie from 2011. Is perhaps because it was what Scream Three was supposed to be in 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. or ninety nine, ninety eight, whatever. Yeah, is is well, playing. It's trying to meld things, right? It's doing yeah, 
doing that, but it's also trying to be like, look at all the, I mean, that's the that's the downside for me with that movie where it's like there has been a lot of time since a scream movie there's a lot you can do with the nature of horror at that point instead of just name horror movies like yeah you can play with instead those of things in the filmmaking only you know? reference the first film yeah well the um his idea for scream 3 which is where he separated and didn't get involved for it was that it was not going to have sydney gale dewey it was going to be about um how these stab movies and stuff influenced the youth, the culture, stuff like that in another town. And he kind of melded that in Scream 4 with in the, adding Sydney and them into it. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of chasing after Sydney, the killer was also like, let me get Kenny, let me load this very large man on top of the van and get his blood to be spilled over the windshield just in case somebody tries to drive away. Mm. Art. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we always talk about how, you know, Michael Myers is sort of an impish prankster. Yeah. Well, Michael uh, Myers, that is art for him. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, because there's literally no goal for him beyond, I guess yeah. I'm doing this. <laughs> so that's his whole thing. These guys are just like, I guess Cindy's around. We'll get her eventually. <laughs> Let me just tune into this really quick. All right. Scott, what was the thing that your 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 daughter was saying about this movie? Oh, huh? well, if her if their plan works, they kill Sydney. They both survive. How are they? And they, they you know they get found there as they are there. How the hell is Billy going to explain all the fake blood on his shirt and his <laughs> hands? What we watched about how are they? How are they going to know it's fake blood? Well, if they if they test if they do any kind of test on his shirt. Then that yeah, one, it won't show up. Well, I mean, why would they be testing a shirt? It's like you got blood on. <laughs> like, or if mean, somebody, you know, if somebody smells it, or somebody, you know, again, it's 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 something that if it's discovered, there'd be no rational way to explain. Yeah. I mean, all the all the real blood. blood on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why do you smell like so much beer? <laughs> or he could also um, just take off the shirt. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing is, theoretically, they're going to be discovered exactly as yeah. they are at the end of the film. Because it's not like they're going to be able to say, we got stabbed a bunch, and then we took a shower and changed our clothes, and then called the police. Okay, well, say they do stay in their clothes. They did get stabbed a bunch. I don't think they're really going to yeah. be testing the shirt for anything at that point. It's like, good yeah. thing you survived, son. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I point. That's all I'm saying. I think, I think we got a point here. Yeah. If they had tested it, they would have had to explain the corn syrup. But like, what would they be testing for? <laughs> I mean, that's that's not what. Somebody else, the killer, the real killer, got blood on you. I don't know. Well, they framed a guy. I mean, it's an open and shut case. <laughs> Unless yeah. they have a really ambitious police officer, but it doesn't seem like it. They have Dewey. <laughs> like, Something doesn't seem <laughs> right here. In Scream Five is the corn syrup. Watch, it's gonna come yeah, back. I hope so. I hope <laughs> that's the yeah. That's a lid. That's the linchpin of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> When Kyle Garner got away, has the corn syrup. He would have got away with it too. Actress from In the Heights. If it wasn't for the corn syrup, <laughs> <laughs> I like this a lot. The, uh, this this little like three right right here. As far as yeah. he doesn't know what to expect, and you got these two guys coming at her, and she's like, "Fuck both of you!" <laughs> Close right? <the> door. Yeah. <laughs> also, knowing the movie that we know now, it's scary that Randy's like, "This guy is the killer." <laughs> like, I yeah. need to get yeah. out of here. <laughs> And what's happening outside right now? <laughs> it's it's Lillard looking at Randy being like, shh, like running away. <laughs> mm. 
This is where we get, oh yeah, we get Billy. Randy's here. still <laughs> all about Sydney. He's like, remember when you abandoned me with uh, the killer in the last movie? <laughs> that's all they. That's all he talks about with her on yeah. the phone and scream too. I like Billy selling this performance here. He makes himself look gaunt mm-hmm. and everything. Also, that looks very like like fake blood. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> She's right. <laughs> he, he's gone from stumbling down the stairs to I'm standing upright and opening the door now. <laughs> okay, so I guess Sue just like ran away and Randy was outside. Mm-hmm. And the I get, I'm not trying, I'm not poking holes. It's just like having fun with the movie, but it's like, oh, oh yeah, the adrenaline is not helping Sydney really think about things too straight right mm-hmm. now. My wife, when we were talking about it the other night, I was like, you know, I don't think you're supposed to see it 10, 12 times. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not meant to be built up. But, you know, the fact that you want to see it 10, 12 times is a measure of, its, of how well it works. I will say when, when Billy starts, like, getting into this, like, I love movies mode, it's pretty lame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, a, quoting Anthony Perkins. It's pig's yeah. blood like they used in care. Like, okay. There's a lot of yeah. that in his character, and it's Calm very down, annoying. Yeah. It's, he's, he's iro- got- it's ironic that that J- Jamie, whatever the hell, Randy is the second most annoying movie nerd in this film. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, he's better at it. That's, yeah. That's the problem. That's the, that's the difference. This guy would be a pretty boy movie nerd. They didn't really have those back then. Not like now. Not like now. (laughs) (laughs) He's good. I'm surprised that Skeet didn't go on to more. I guess it's just we didn't need. Chill factor didn't take off. No, yeah, he (laughs) fell into it because he has a certain look, right? He fell into a certain zone. His projects that he had didn't really pan out too much. I mean, he put he's had a consistent spot on the Riverdale, right? Like Yeah, it was yes. that it was in but he was in that what the one of those those uh sci-fi shows for a while too on CBS. What was it? It wasn't the dome. Was oh, it? Jericho. Oh, Jericho. 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 Yeah. Jericho. Yeah. Dave Jericho. It was, the, it was the first successful save a show and and then it became a thing. Um he and uh Skeet Ulrich and Jamie Kennedy show up in as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They play the they play the guys that that destroy Greg Kinnear. <laughs> yep. Like destroy him. They like fuck Grigadier up in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's really beaten. And yeah, Skeet Ulrich thinks he's like, I'm gonna seduce this guy. That's how that's our end. And he's like, Oh, I was wrong. He just wants to paint me. <laughs> good in that little scene too. I it mean is. as much as he's good here, so like he just poor dude was probably third or fourth choice for a lot of second yeah. choices that took the job, you know? Like yeah. Well, him and Eric Balfour, like they have the same like. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Schrader movie with Bridget Fonda, where he's like a, it was an adaptation of Elmore Leonard book, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, what you're, I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, I can't make it offhand. It means nothing at all, but there is something about the fact that the you know the dimension poster with the faces. It's like he's where he has his goatee thing going. Right. Yeah. Dewey looks nothing like Dewey. Courtney Cox doesn't look anything like Gay. Like it just it's such a, there's so many choice photos they have that are just like these people. <laughs> I did that. That was I, the second campaign you said, Brandon. What was the original poster? Just that. Drew Barrymore's face. The face. Yeah. The yeah. 
and then they um and there was also one that looked like a fuzzy tv type thing um i i touch, I, touch is the the touch. Paul there you go later movie. Touch, yeah touch. i i did a funny thing like that um my senior year it mentioned of like all rich in that i was in a production of uh hello dolly in my high school and i was a senior so they put like your photo or whatever outside whatever so i i had a goatee in it but in the play i did not so i was I was paying tribute to the Skeet Ulrich on there because I'm that dorky. But I thought it'd be funny. I'm like, yeah, he's got a looks like an adult out here, childlike on the play. I see. I see the pattern right here for for Skeet Ulrich. It's yeah, he had touch, which he's the lead in. Didn't really go anywhere. He's he's one of the leads in the Newton Boys, arguably better his worst movie. <laughs> Didn't go yeah. anywhere. Well, he's you the, take that movie though, like yeah. yeah, you know, no, these aren't bad choices, but it's like. You know, he, he had the chance to chill factor. Another one where it's like, I'm in a co I'm co-starring with Academy Award winner, Cuba Gooding Jr. And Buddy then the Com- Buddy Comet, those were the yeah, exactly. letter of the box office back then, too. Yeah. And then he did Art House. He did he was because he's the like one of the co-leads in the Ang Lee movie, Ride with the Devil. Mm. And it's like yeah, that's right. None yeah. of those things took off for him. So you get it. Like, I mean, like it just didn't go anywhere. Oh, you never know what his management's pushing him towards, and stuff of course, too, yeah. Well. Oh, you need to, you know, you need to rebound from that. Like, and there's other people that are also auditioning for these things, and they're, you know, the one, you know, he's won't be surprised. Johnny Depp this. keeps getting them. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, even then, Johnny, Johnny Depp's like ten years his senior, right? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, but that was the thing with Skeet Ulrich is he looked everybody's like exactly like Johnny. Johnny Depp. He looks like Johnny Depp. Depp to an extent. Yeah. Right. I I like this when Stu is like. I don't want to give you (laughs) this does not look like a fun thing to do. I don't want to get stabbed again. No, it it doesn't matter, but was he intending to kill Stu or did he just stab Uh, him too much? I I think he just stabbed him too much. It's a, it's a one upper one upsmanship thing. Yeah. Yeah. And why they wait till why they do it while Sydney's alive here. Um, well, why they don't make damn sure that the guy they shot in the shoulder is actually dead? Yeah, <laughs> they're teenagers. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, they thought, they thought they're most trying of to the show players. off. They're trying yeah. to show off. Woozy, that's great. That's He's great. great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could argue it was unlikely that Dewey would have survived, but you know, you clearly see they shot you know uh, uh, Randy in a non-lethal place. Mm-hmm. So they're so. But that's that so they stab each other now for some reason. Then they kill Sydney. I guess so. And then they kill the dad and make it. That's what I'm saying. Before they pass out. Is it they what they do? They make it look like suicide? Is that the idea? Yeah. They like have they shoot him in the head or whatever, and just make it be like, yeah, he killed he went crazy, knifed us all, and then shot himself. (laughs) Whoops. still does that's a good that's a good line <laughs> that feels like an improv line <laughs> you know and again you're right they're teenagers but they're bad at killing people yeah no that the movies established this yeah yeah like, they're not the greatest at doing this stuff yeah you also just shoot them in the face right now like they should have stabbed people it way before they yeah people like to talk this weird, like, romantic thing right here where she falls into Dewey. Mm-hmm. That's, that's nice. I love it. Yeah, man. Yeah.
Yeah, it's it's a total power trip for them at this point. That's yeah. like it's just like does he think she's dead? No, he's oh, gonna shoot yeah, him. He's gonna, right? he's gonna shoot him. <laughs> and yeah, they've like lost lost the plot literally because <laughs> they like stopped looking at the person that was free to roam around. <laughs> they didn't tie up in any way. Plus, they're kind of nutty from blood loss too. Yeah, that's not helping. They really should have killed everybody before they stabbed themselves. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and the unrated, there's some extra stabbing too with the, t- the two there. of them. Yeah. And it like lingers and shows a bit more uh, close, close impalement. Like Stu in particular looks like he's going to, like <laughs> the people that isn't going to survive this, you know, he's, he looks like he's pretty much dying. Yeah. Scream 2, or Scream, brought to you by Minute Maid Orange. <laughs> Minute Maid I like, Orange. I like how he picks up the phone and he says, Hello. like, it's very casual. And then it, yeah. actually morphs, it morphs into him, like, becoming more and more sad about everything. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Which I believe that was Lillard making that up. Oh, like, it's such a great I, line. It is. <laughs> All right, that's good. Don't also, hit me. And then the don't hit me with the phone. Yeah, <laughs> dick. Yeah. This is so much gold. Already stabbed him so many times. She's hiding in like the just, pillow. It's just it's how he picks up and like it's like like puts his on his head. It's just like so funny to. Yeah, it's it's, like it's, it's physical normal physical. human behavior. Yeah, during a very abnormal situation, we can just and, buy that he's gotten in his he's himself gotten in a little with his head, a little yeah. with uh, with Ulrich this character, you know. I like the Billy ripped up pillows thinking this is where Cindy could be. (laughs) (laughs) She's not that tiny, dude. And did they pull a reversal of this in Scream 4? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this opened in December. Yeah. December 20th. And didn't open well. It It it, opened with a whopping $6 million. uh Uh-huh. And then legged out like I mean, even by December standards, the legs were incredible. It did 103 domestic, which at the time was by far the biggest conventional teen-centric whatever horror film of all time. Uh, the next closest at that time was Pet Cemetery, which did 57 million in 1989. Wow! So Jeez. this was far and away <laughs> the biggest you know kid-targeted horror movie of all time. And then the sequel, it opened. I mean, it was you know breakout sequel. It opened with thirty three million dollars a year um, later. A year later, <laughs> yeah, which is insane. And it was a little front loaded comparatively because it's a sequel, yeah. but it still did one hundred and two domestic. Um, and the he's, third one, you know, dead. come what may, it still opened with about thirty four million and lagged out to about eighty nine. So the he first survived that, all, right? <laughs> they were all very profitable pictures. Except for Scream Four, because nobody cared. Um, it's surprising. Like, I guess Scream as a franchise, the fandom is one of those you know don't trust the internet or the the social yeah. media crowd in terms of the excitement. I will be and- very happy if I'm you know I'll be thrilled if I'm proven wrong next weekend, but I don't think I'm gonna be. I mean, yeah. I I don't think people, general audiences see this as the before trilogy of slasher films. Where every eleven years we get an update. Yeah. I mean, I won't be surprised if it. It'll. I'm always surprised if it opens decently enough, like in terms of front loading. But yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Um, you know what Halloween? It's good. You know honestly, what ha- Halloween? Like, part of the reason that. Or, yeah. You know what Halloween says to Scream? You're no Sharon Stone. But no, you. I do think that part of what didn't help for was that the word of mouth wasn't very strong on it. No, it, it no. Didn't, but it didn't even open that well. It only opened with like 17 and change. That came out in April, right? That was yeah, it April. came out in April of 2011. Because mm-hmm. that's uh, the um, the fourth Out Now episode, the first one that Dave mm-hmm. and I disagreed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, he liked it and I was right. <laughs> and there's an entire generation of people that were about teenagers when the fourth one came out that are now convinced it was a good movie. But that's why I think that this new one could, you know, has You're potential. absolutely right. I'll be like, very interested it, if generational nostalgia for Scream 4. Will they go to the Scream theater? Five for a bigger hit. Yeah. Will yeah, they go absolutely. to the theater? Like, yeah. COVID notwithstanding. And I think that was the issue with Scream 4 is that, yeah, there was nostalgia. Yeah, there was interest. But is it, I want to pay a babysitter to watch my kids and go to a theater interest? Will they go to it? Yeah. And it that's, that's the excuse it has, right? Like, will yeah. people go to the theater? Maybe. If they don't, hey. It's not it. it we, yeah. we have a pan. We have something we can blame it on. Also, we have yeah. a streaming service we can throw it to right away. Yeah. yeah. I, Spider-Man tells me no. People are going to say, oh, it's the pandemic. And he's like, all due respect, as I've been saying, at least since May, it's like, look, we've seen over and over again. The movies that were going to do well before COVID are still doing pretty darn well. Well, the, the audiences for this one are smarter and stay home. No. No, yeah, they are smarter and stay at home because. You know, they because they all went and saw Spider Man too. Yeah. So no, they're smarter and they're staying home because they realize the only reason the movie exists is because the rights changed hands. Um. But anyway, so this 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 opens December becomes a hit. Within nine months, they make another one, mm-hmm. which has a killer teaser trailer. Also, yes. Oh, the the teaser trailer for Scream Two is one of my favorite trailers. It's basically just the scene with Dewey and Randy chatting yeah, at a great, restaurant. With great cuts uh, and with some good, good cuts, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that that don't give anything away. That's what I mean. It's mm-hmm. just really clever. Third one hits in February. Yes, like like early February. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that always the plan, or did that get moved? Well, that was a few. There was some trouble getting that one off the ground, though. There's pushback from Nev Campbell. There was Kevin Williamson getting jettisoned. It took a bit because that one's like three years later, right? Or well, two years later. I mean, quite frankly, I think that film was very obviously changed, altered, and neutered after the Columbine shootings. Right. Um, you know, and I know you brought this up briefly, but the in, the initial concept was to do another teen-centric slasher, mm-hmm. which went out the window after the Columbine killings. And among other things, when you watch Scream 3, it's so light on gore that it could probably play unedited on television. I mean, you you have multiple like you have explosions, you have things yeah. that aren't like knives essentially. Yeah. So you have the it's very genesis bloodless. of anti-vax movement in there. <laughs> There's David. Uh, there we go. <laughs> this face. It's so good. Now this is something that Scream does that I think inspired like, its fans. Like they go back, they roll call the cast of a slasher movie, like you know Predator. Um, but it makes you go like, hey, weren't these people great? Yeah. Wasn't this yeah. good? Like, look at look at our cast, and I no other like slasher really does that. I do too. I like um, a roll call. You like what? A roll call. I like a roll call. Yeah. I always do but, too. But it, it then elevates already good. that Scream is proud of its cast every time yeah. up. This is the slasher. Do we leave Schreiber people in these? Yeah, <laughs> leave Schreiber made the role. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did. 
and Drew Barry. Yeah, but a roll calls, but I like it in Predator a lot because everybody looking into the camera being like, did we have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, yep. yeah. Except Arnold. Arnold, they just do like a clip from the movie. Everybody else, though, is like, yeah, like uh, Carl Weathers gets the gun tossed to his hand. It's like, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> and then at the end of Scream 2, where Sydney goes to sleep and she has a dream where she's waltzing up the staircase of the boat with all of her friends and victims waiting for her <laughs> before she mm. kisses Jerry O'Connell in the happy ending that she never got. <laughs> Cue a new Celine song, and we're good. <laughs> Even the credits have the same font. I didn't. I forgot that. Can they killed with this font? The Scream movies did have pretty cool uh, soundtracks as well. I really like the they Scream, do. Scream Two one a lot. Um, I, I pretty good. I don't know why, but I listened to the Scream Three soundtrack because that was all new metal, and that was the thing at that point. Creed, was, what if? It had, it had, <laughs> what it had, if? It was bookended with Creed. It had two Creed songs on it. And a poster in the movie mm-hmm. in Sydney's old bedroom. It had a lot. It, I believe David Arquette has a band and that's on the uh, Scream mm. 3 soundtrack as well. Like that was that was one that was a real like we're promoting this stuff type soundtrack. Like even I think the in the insert like had featured on this album, like really, really right. promoting the fact that there's all these things you can get out there. Well, and now scream doesn't just inspire like a wave of slashers. It didn't twist horror movies throughout. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get the faculty, uh, Kevin Williamson's name gets thrown on everything. The dimension uh, style poster right. for everything. Yeah. You get like, I mean, you don't, you, I mean, you get ones that are like, you get a certain self-awareness. Yeah. A bunch of bad Katie Holmes horror movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another Kevin Williamson one. You have teaching Mrs. No right, right. Teaching Mrs. Teaching Mrs. No, Tingle, which, he, she, which yeah. he wrote first. That's like one of his UCLA yeah. right, like mm-hmm. filmmaking projects. And he, even I know what you did last summer was I based on a Lois one. Duncan novel. Yeah. It yeah. was intended for children. Which mm-hmm. I which I believe Williamson also that's something he also like worked on before screen. Yeah, he sort of pulled it out of the cabinet mm-hmm. after yeah, and it's like, We need off. another thing. Here's yeah, this yeah. one. Yeah, it was oh. the, the instant one that he could run off of. Um, the Urban Legend Ur- movies. Urban Legend, Valentine, Valentine, Cherry Falls. Um, and, I, and I knew that the weekend that I know what you did last summer opened higher the devil's advocate that the world that I knew it is no more and that I was no longer the relevant moviegoer. <laughs> I was 17 at that time, by the way. Uh, you were the yeah. same age as Ryan Phillippe, so what was the problem? <laughs> 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 <sighs> No, it was it, it was a, it was a fun ride during that. Oh, it, was, it pretty much starts at Scream and what ends at Freddy versus Jason. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because then we get to well, then we get to Texas Saw. Chainsaw opens. We, Texas we, Chainsaw changed that that game. Yeah, we get into the remake slash J horror remake yeah, um, yeah. zone. And, you know, I don't like calling them torture porn, but you know, Grindhouse revival. Again, to the yeah, that. Grindhouse yeah. revival, then to found footage. Yeah, then to like. I mean, people were they they were getting really tired of the witty characters. That was a that was a yeah. complaint of the Scream era was um the the character work, but um and then, you know uh I and then you know of course James Wan shows up with Insidious in 2011 and is like, what if paranormal activity was just a normal movie and was yeah. awesome? Yes. And then like art, you know, honestly, like Art house horror kicks into gear also. Like it's not yeah. making a ton mm-hmm. of money, but it's leaving a cult. It's leaving an imprint, I think. Yeah. Le- I mean, like horror in the the previous decade was the, two, the 2000s, or the 2010s have been pretty great. Was, for yeah. Horror. yeah, it was great. Um, From any angle, slashers came back, ghosts, like 
just except for that one yeah. slot in like 2014 where it's like nothing was breaking out. It was like, oh god, it's horror doomed. Spoiler: It was not. Well, there's there's mm-hmm. good stuff, but it's just like yeah. not people people aren't seeing it yeah. until like later on. Oh, <laughs> like oh my god, I saw the Bobby. You're like, yeah, I know. I've been talking about it for months. Um, <laughs> with this new one coming out as we approach the end of the credits here, uh, do, what Paramount's done so far is advertised the idea of Scream being scary. I don't think that's. I understand why you would do that, but I don't think that's necessarily the staple of a screen movie. They can it's be just scary. Suspenseful whodunits. Yeah, but you're certainly like you know you don't tend to walk out of screen being like, man, that was such a scary movie. You're thinking that was fun. Do you assuming that the you know the filmmakers the what the radio yeah radio silence radio silence guys have that kind of thing in mind? Is there something you're expecting them to kind of angle towards as far as their what they're satirizing or what they're referencing? Honestly, I have no idea what they're up to. And I say that neither as a criticism or compliment. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, to be fair, the trailer is pretty generic. And we've only had that one trailer. And And it has has fake footage in that trailer, too. Allegedly, yes. No, Um, I I know someone who does. Yeah, there's fake stuff intentionally in Um, there. Which good on them. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, then you're going to get your, uh, well, well, it was in the trailer, but it wasn't here. Like, you know, those are cut before the film's. Sorry, uh, that's another conversation. Um, so no, I, I have no idea what to expect. And as cynical as I am about the idea of another Scream movie, commercially and artistically, I very much enjoyed Ready or Not. Yeah. Um, and the films have always been high production value, well-acted genre staples. So as long as they can figure out a, an artistic reason for it to exist, one that doesn't just remember the first Scream, that was neat. For you know, a hundred minutes, then we'll see. Right. I I like I I was on the out now where we talked about the trailer, but my first thing was like weary of no Kevin, no Wes, and then it instantly having me throw up in my mouth with a couple lines of dialogue in that trailer. Like I'm hesitant. I'm I'm down for another romp with Scream, yeah. but I that uh, I'm depressed gun. I, I always have a gun. Like oh yep, here we go. Yancey? Far the same guy who had 14 was not going to go see it. And it was a Wes Craven movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, that's a fair, fair point. But really the ready or not guys or like are not Wes Craven. Shocker! <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. They're not Wes Craven. They're not I'm, Wes Craven. The, the, if anything, the relief that I really have is that, well, at least Aaron Kruger is not writing this movie. No, that's true. <laughs> is this true? That's, we, that's we, the we, one thing that like really got me excited about this. We are, we are in a very fan-wanky era, too. So... I want a bold movie like the first two were. That's why they stand mm-hmm. out for me. And I, I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I agree. As far as I don't know what to expect, and that I, I'm trying. I'm, you know, I'm an optimist, so like I'm mm-hmm. leaning on the idea of hey, you got these guys that have proven themselves, and they're obviously horror fans, right? So that I. I don't know what to do just based off. Well, the, the marketing clearly wants to show me a certain thing. So it's like, I really don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I get why you would market that. I guess it, I can understand it being harder to sell you on. Look how witty these characters are without like much context to go on or anything. The killer is on the poster, but was the killer in the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, I think the biggest hope that any of us have, not that we want characters to die, but is if it does have some kind of edge, right? If it does yeah. have something it wants to 
do, whether it wants to say something by making certain moves or just doing something because it's an exciting way to turn, you know, take a turn on things. And that, I do think potential. <laughs> one, you know, again, I, I, I don't mean to repeat, you know, apologies for repeating, but I think one of the problems this franchise has is that you do have a very big fan base that will take it as a personal betrayal if any of the trio get killed. That's the bad part. That's, and that makes yeah. me wonder who is this, like, at Brandon, you've asked, who is this fan base to begin with that's like thinking, yeah, I mean, man, I hope they make more screen movies with my my three favorites, but damn it if they kill them. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's yeah. like how are you a fan of screen movies if you can't like go to an extra step of doing? They something? probably also want Stu to come back. How do? Uh, why did they kill the killer? Oh, <laughs> the guy who well, murdered all the people. Why didn't they bring the janitor from Scream One back? Where's he? No, oh. <laughs> you went dark. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it, it's, it's, am I, you know, am I going into it as an optimist? No, but I'll be happily surprised because <laughs> you know what? I was surprised by so many movies in summer 2019. I wrote a whole post about it. I like child's play more than I expected. I like angel has fallen more than I expected. I like Dora the Explorer more than I expected, et cetera, et cetera. All three major top 10 that year, right? <laughs> Forbes Scott Mendelson not excited about new sequel news at eleven. Yeah, that too. I mean, it's it's it's, um, you know, it, it, that I guess that's just you know I'm a grouchy old man. Is like, oh, you know, there were there were rumors running around about another Shanghai movie. It's like, I, I guess, but I mean, that was twenty years ago. I mean, I'm perfectly happy with the two that we got. I like the idea of you. The number one Shanghai Knights fan walking into a screening of Shanghai Dawn with your arms crossed, being like, "What the fuck are these guys going to do now? It's going to top one of my absolute masterpiece movies yeah. in the two thousands. But you know, if they were to make it, I would see it and hope for the best. But you know, it, it, and I think I've always been like that, and that I don't always demand. If it, if it missed the window, you don't want it. Like. Well, that too, and I think you know, it's there are very few movies, even the last. 10 15 years where I like, oh, I really want a sequel to that. Spy was a rare example. Paul Feig Spy. Phantom Menace, moved... you're like, come on, George, do something <laughs> else. Uh yeah. Like, uh, that was okay. But let's see. I want to see another TH eleven thirty-eight. Come on, man. I'm still rating on Red Tail's Revenge. Even more American graffiti. <laughs> Radio World meet uh murders. <laughs> Um, but no, again, whatever it's, 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 you know, I, I, if it's good, great. I'm, you know, I'm hoping it'll be, you know, if it's good, I'm hoping the reasons that it is good will be fun to talk about. Mm. If that makes any sense. It does for sure. And with that, uh, as we know it right now, uh, scream awkwardly titled just scream uh we'll be screening for press one we'll be screening for press a few days early as opposed to like waiting Mm -hmm. till the last minute or not screening at all so that's somewhat encouraging to me that also makes me think that people have actually seen it already because there probably have been junket screenings or whatnot yeah um so you know we not everybody on this podcast but we will return uh, to talk about scream soon enough um and have plenty of thoughts on that i'm sure but for now that's going to do it for this commentary track the movies ended a little bit ago at this point uh so where can we find everyone online yancy what do you want to plug oh you know milky way blues yancy jack on twitter um try to uh comment on m4 once in a while get myself out there cool scott uh forbes.com 
that please Google some variation of Scott Mendelson Forbes, the ticket booth. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Scott Mendelson. And that's, I mean, yeah, I have a Facebook, but it's mostly for cat pictures and baby photos. So. <laughs> What they're babies? Good. You have like but a new, like, not babies. children. It's kid photos, whatever. <laughs> but they're really good cat photos and children photos. So this is true. People will want to see them. Yes. Brandon Peters. Uh, the Brandon Peters Show, brandonpetershow.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Uh, if you're listening, uh, this is your episode this week of the Brandon Peters Show. Cheater. <laughs> You can find all the other episodes of Out Now that are named on iTunes, not even Spotify and Stitcher. You can find me over at We Live Entertainments and Wisely Blue, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, you can follow this podcast everywhere you can. You can find us anywhere because it's a podcast, and that's how we do it here. Um, thank you, Brandon Scott and Yancey, for joining me for the Scream commentary track. You're very welcome. I had a lovely time. Yeah, always. always. Great. Glad to have you guys here. I will. What's what's next? It's February next month. We got, yeah, I mean, kiss me deadly. As always, it's going to be on the docket. <laughs> it's it's going to happen at some point. Yes. It's an in joke. It's a running joke, except we're going to record a commentary. Not till we do my fellow Americans. But it's February next month. So it just seems like it's the right time to do it. That said, Das Boot celebrating its 30th anniversary or 40th anniversary, guys. So, you know, if we have all four hours, I think we can really knock oh, that one God. out. Confidence. Das Boots uh, are made for walking. Das Boots, yep. Uh, Swamp is... Thing also turns 40 as well, I believe. Oh, Craven. <laughs> we can Let's do more Craven. Craven. Yep. Do Craven for like five months, like the Hannibal's. We're Craven the Craven. Even more Craven. And we'll, we'll climax it with my soul to take. Here we go. Oh, boy. And I can contrast the finished version with the early test screening I saw when it was called 27, like 24, eight mm. mm. rain uh, of fire turns 10. Um, that's the, or sorry, 20. 20. Uh, <laughs> that's a movie that exists. Uh, wait, that came out in like June, didn't it? July, I believe July. Why well, I have the here. That's weird. I saw something uh, else that's called rain. And I thought, I think it was rain of fire. I put it on the list anyway of potential things. There's the Netflix uh, Chainsaw Massacre next month. Netflix Chainsaw Massacre oh, happens next month. Uh, John Q, aka one of Denzel's worst movies, is turning uh, 20. So yeah, we got to and whatever or whatever we can think of that's related to Death on the Nile or Uncharted. I hear Uncharted's based off a few things. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so is there ideas. a video game movie that we haven't talked about that'd be worth? Uh, I mean, you guys have done a lot of the fun ones already. Yeah. Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. Have you? Have we done Mario Brothers? We haven't. <laughs> Is, that's a possibility. I'm just throwing that out there. It's a possibility. And uh, speaking of, uh, we've never done Indiana Jones. By the way, <laughs> never done an Indiana Jones movie. No. Mm. Why? Who likes those? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. We did a so, we did a <laughs> we did a special episode like our second year of the show, covering like all four of them because it was what like the thirtieth. They're the 40th anniversary of Raiders. Like they had, they put yeah. that like new remastered version out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've like never talked about Indiana Jones since for some reason. Like it just doesn't, it's like, it's in the Pantheon. Who cares? We don't need to talk about that movie. <laughs> but it's, you never know. We'll see what happens. Alan Carter main rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, plenty of options, but yeah, that is going to do for this commentary track. Thank you all once again. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And um, yeah, we'll be back next month with another commentary. We'll be back with our Scream review soon enough. But until next time, so long and goodbye. Thank you for listening. 
The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.